Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bataround. Started a split second later because it would help if I unmuted my microphone first. I'm your host, Paul Valley. You, no, you are not seeing things. That is not Zach Goodman over there in the. Where am I going? That's not Zach Goodman over there in the in the uh, in the host chair. That is Ryan Blake, my co-host from Give That Fan a podcast. Zach is playing in a golf tournament today, and so he will not be on the show. So I'm uh, I'm working the ones and twos over here today. Ryan is kindly filling in. I hate the way this camera's lined up. I don't know how Zach puts up with this. I'm just gonna sit back in the chair like this, and we're gonna. We're gonna rock like this. I think you did that last time I was here as well. Yeah, I, I um, I'm not used to this camera setup, and it's it's weird. I don't have a ton of space over here, but we're gonna press on. We're gonna press on. Uh, today's episode of the Bataround brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Ryan, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. You know, I, I left my apartment early enough to stop and get a coffee, and I think for the first time in my life, I was patient enough to not burn my tongue on the first sip. I waited, I sat back, let it kind of sit in the center console for a second, and then by the time I took a sip, it was perfect temperature, didn't burn myself. Small victories. Small victories indeed. Well, well done. Well done. Thank you. Um... The Orioles, they made some moves, some earth-shattering moves. No, not not earth-shattering moves, not by any stretch. Um, they claimed outfielder um, Jake Cave from, it was from Cleveland, I believe, right? Minnesota. Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota yeah. sorry, that, similar colors. I get those two mixed up all the time. I so, get similar colors. So they, they claim outfielder Jake Cave from the Minnesota Twins, uh, and then catchers Aramis Garcia and Mark Colesbury from the Cincinnati Reds. So the Reds have no catchers left. Basically, the Orioles took them all. Um, they DFA Jake Reed for the cave move, and Bo Solcer and Lewis Head for the Garcia and Colesbury moves. Um, we had I, I was doing a um, doing a guest spot on the Locked On Orioles podcast, talking about Ryan Mountcastle the other day. I believe you did Felix Bautista did. the day before me. Um, so go check those out. Uh, Ryan did Thursday's episode. I did Friday's episode with Connor Newcomb on the Locked On Orioles podcast, reviewing Felix Bautista's uh, season on Thursday, and I Ryan did, and I reviewed Ryan Mountcastle's season on Friday. And we're going to talk about that actually here in a split second. But Connor Newcomb, when the Orioles made the Jake Cave move, he said it's basically a left-handed, better version of Ryan McKenna. What are your thoughts on that? I'm not sure I necessarily agree that he's a better version of McKenna, um, but. You know, it's it's not a move that really moves the needle for me. Uh, you know, decent fielding, not great hitting outfielder. That's kind of what you have in McKenna anyways. Uh, I, I don't consider Cave much of an upgrade over him if he is in the running for, a, you know, the fourth or fifth outfielder spot. But it's it's not a move that excites me. Yeah, I, and to me, it's, it's just a depth move. Now, in 2018, when he was a rookie, he played in 91 games, and he had 31 extra base hits. Um he had 13 home runs, 16 doubles, and two triples. So 
that looks like a player, and then it's been nothing but downhill since then. So yeah. uh, it's pretty much a depth move. Connor said that he wouldn't be surprised if the Orioles claimed him, try to pass him through waivers, and then put him in their minor league system. Now, these catchers, uh, Aramis Garcia and Mark Colesbury, these are not earth-shattering moves by any stretch. Both of these guys are backups to backups, basically. Garcia played in 47 games this year, and it was his most extensive uh, major league action. Both of them have gotten cups of coffee. Colesbury was a 27-year-old rookie this year. Uh, he debuted in April and got 10 whole games under his belt. So this is more catching depth for the Orioles. Uh, does that signify any corresponding moves as far as maybe they have Ben Boom or Nottingham coming up to take uh, to take over as a backup on the major league roster or or uh, Gallagher. I can't remember Gallagher's first name, but Cam. Cam. Yeah, no, it's it's to me it's just a matter of you know doing their due diligence to figure out who's going to be the the backup for Adley next year. Uh, you know, Chirinos is a free agent. Ben Boom will be in the system unless he's non-tendered. I believe the same goes for Nottingham, although he's not on the forty. I'm not a hundred percent sure how that works, but. Uh, you know, with those guys, Cam Gallagher was just added to the 40. You got these two waiver claims. They're on the 40 man. I, I you know, they're, they're not all going to make it to spring training, but I, I think this signifies that they're really going to pull out all the stops to make sure they find the right guy to be the backstop because Trinos this year was, was not the answer. And that's, that's part of the problem with these, you know, these so-called punt lineups is it's a lot less glaring when you have a serviceable backup catcher and Trinos right. was not that <clears throat> offensively or defensively. So they need to find the right guy to fill that slot. Well, yeah, and, and with Robinson Chirinos, the, um, at the beginning of the year before Adley got here, we were okay with it because the pitchers seemed to be pitching better, and he had that veteran presence. And so you're like, all right, Chirinos is a veteran guy. He's got postseason experience. He can show these guys you know, what it takes to, to play day in and day out and be, and be a winning pl- type, of, type of team. Then Rutschman got here, and his defi- and Torino's deficiencies became glaring. And let's be fair here. A lot of catchers' de- deficiencies would become clear with Adley Rutschman being the everyday catcher. Yes. Adley Rutschman as a rookie, a 5.2 war, uh, tied for the highest of all time by any rookie. And he only played in, what was it, 121 games? or uh, I think 119 something like games, something like that. Um so, 113. 113. So, and he was phenomenal. People talking about him as the best catcher in baseball already. I think people forget that JT Real Muto still exists. Yeah, um, that dude is unbelievable. 20 steals and 20 home runs at 32 years old uh, for the for the Phillies. Adley Rutschman is a very good player. He may be the best catcher in baseball, but let's give credit where credit's due. JT yeah. Real Muto is a freaking stud, and he still exists in the world today. Um, I'm gonna get a lot of hate over that. Somebody's gonna come at me. Somebody, Dude, Real so, Muto is a stud. You yeah, but 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 somebody's gonna be like, "How can you say that about Adley?" Adley's freaking phenomenal, and I have no doubt that he's gonna be an All Star and an MVP candidate multiple times. Absolutely. So, um, these um. You know you're supposed to put on your your orange sunglasses, right? Oh, dude! Take I, them I, off. The the crazy thing is. <laughs> A lot of people think I'm just super negative. One person said to me, how are you going to survive without being able to bitch about a lineup for the next six months? And it's like, dude, you have no idea how much... And this, I went on a rant about this at the end of the show last week, so I won't do that again. But you have no idea how much I love this team. I literally bleed orange. Seriously, if you cut me open, orange is going to come out. It's it's absurd, despite the fact that I'm wearing all purple, wearing my Ravens gear today. Yeah. Um, like... I, 
my entire life, I wore those orange sunglasses and sipped the orange Kool-Aid. From tw 1998 through 2011, every year I told myself, this is the year that the Orioles are going to get back to the postseason. Oh, and they'd, they'd win 64 games, and it's like, ugh. I remember 2002. It was a summer between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. And I remember I was on vacation, and the last day of my vacation, the Orioles won a baseball game to get to 63 and 63. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, they're 500. What a year. They went 4-32 and 32 the rest of the way. There was a 12-game losing streak and an 8-game losing streak in there. It was absolutely horrendous. And yet, every year, I convinced myself that that was the team that was going to make it. And then, and then it's funny, because I've gone back, and I've looked at those lineups, and it's like, what was I thinking? Yeah. Well, And maybe that's why I'm so like negative about things now. And it's not that I'm negative. It's that I want better. You and I have talked about this on on our other show. Yeah. Uh, give that fan a podcast, shameless plug. Um, about how it's not like we're not trying to be negative. We're not trying to be hateful or overly critical. It's just that when you finally have a winning team with you again, in front of you again, you want them to do everything they can do to get to the postseason. So when right. when they aren't doing those things, when they're falling a little bit short in areas where you think that they could have put their best foot forward and didn't, you get upset. And hopefully, yeah. this was the last season of that. And then next year and the years following all the talent that they have, there won't be such thing as a punt lineup because their punt lineup will still be a lineup that's able to compete day in and day out. Right. And when you look at the last, you know, several seasons of losing a hundred games apiece, you know, eighty three and seventy nine is a significant improvement. Oh, absolutely. But, absolutely. But that's not good enough. It's it's good enough when you look at you know the the track record of the 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 Orioles the last few years. This is a, a, a huge step in the right direction, mm -hmm. and it's great. It's awesome. But it's still not good enough. It's not good enough, and be because when you're a winning ball club, if you go 83 and 79, you can pinpoint certain points in the season that prevented you from winning those extra seven games yep. to get to the postseason. You had two against the, the you. They honestly should have swept four games from the Astros. They should have won that 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 11 to 10 loss. That's how they were up five to two after five. They were up nine to seven in the um. The in, the, in the ninth inning. Yeah. And then the next day, they had the winning run on third base with one out in the bottom of the 10th inning. And they had a strikeout and a ground out to end the game. And then they lost in 11. So it was, or to end the inning, and, they, and then they lost in 11. Those are two wins right there. And you and I, I'm going to bring this up on Give That Fan a Podcast when we record next week. I'm not going to, I talked about this last week on this show, so I'm not going to do it again. Tampa Bay opened the gate for the Orioles to walk into the postseason, stepped aside and tried to usher them through. They lost 12 of their last 16 games. They lost five straight to end the year. And they only won, of, of those four wins in their last 16, only one of them came on the day when the Orioles lost mm. to, end, to end the year. And the Orioles, I, I, I figured it out that if they had won the games they were supposed to win, the Orioles would have finished the year a game and a half up on Tampa Bay and in the postseason. So Sweet. we're going to talk about that on Give That Fan a Podcast next week, so stay tuned for that because I already talked about it on the show last week. Now, speaking of Tampa Bay, had to be the worst Tampa Bay roster that we've seen make the playoffs in a long time. They go into that series against, um, against Cleveland, and they're crawling. They backed into the postseason, lost five straight to end the year, and then they get swept by Cleveland. The two teams combined to score four runs in that series. The first game, uh, Tampa Bay gets a solo shot from Jose Siri, and I believe it was the top of the fifth. And then in the bottom of the fifth, Cleveland's own Jose, Jose Ramirez, hits a two-run shot 
two to one Cleveland. That's the final score, two to one. Then they play the next day, and they become the first. It becomes the first postseason postseason game in Major League history to go thirteen innings scoreless. Cleveland ends up walking it off. Um, who hit the walk-off home run? Was that Vasario? Bottom 15th, Oscar Gonzalez. Oscar Gonzalez, bottom of the 15th, hits the walk-off home run. Cleveland wins one nothing. They advance to the ALDS. They are playing the Yankees. They come out yesterday, and they get a 4-2 to victory. Hard fall. It, it, yeah. So the, the Yankees kind of owned them the first game. They won that game, I believe it was 4-1. to and Cleveland, they just they they, they you could tell they weren't going to muster anything. Not not against Garrett Cole, right. right? And then Nestor Cortez, who may have been their best pitcher, the Yankees' best pitcher all, all year, made a couple mistakes there. I believe in the fifth or sixth in the fifth inning, um, gives up. They they gave up the home run to Rosario to tie yep. the game. The Yankees were up in that game two nothing after Giancarlo Stanton home run in the in the first inning, and then didn't score again. Uh, the Cleveland shut them out. But you could tell with Cleveland that they were kind of scratching and clawing to get back in that game and tie it up and then push across a couple of runs late to win that game 4-2 to two and tie the series up. Does Cleveland have a shot here? Their pitching is phenomenal, but outside of Jose Ramirez and maybe Josh Naylor, that lineup leaves... And I mean, Stephen Kwan's a singles hitter. Um, Naylor, he's like a 250 hitter with, with, with some pop. Um, but he's, like, he's, got, he's, got like a, he's a good vibes guy, right? We know yeah. all about the good vibes guys here in Baltimore. Um, Oscar Gonzalez is a good player, but they have Miles Straw, who in, in every playing every day because of his defense and his speed. Twenty-one to twenty-two in stolen bases, but a fi- I think it was like a five ninety-two OPS this year. Something really like poor offensive player, and he's an everyday player for them. Does Cleveland have a shot to take down the Yankees because of their pitching? I mean, good pitching can take you a long way in the postseason, but you have to be able to hit. Mm-hmm. And Cleveland has not shown me that they are capable of. You know, stringing together a few games, even a few games of really good offense. Now, don't overlook, uh, I think it was Ahmed Rosario. Uh, I'm trying to pull up, of course, Fangraphs is trying to get me to become a member. He had a nice year. He, he had like, like uh, I think he hit above 270 with like 11 home runs, 11 or 12 home runs this year. Sorry, I'm, I'm uh, Andres Jimenez. He uh, he had a 6.1 F4. That's .1 behind Jose Ramirez. So he, he was another guy in that infield who mm-hmm. had a really, really good season. Um, but, you know, they, they just haven't been able to put it together. And playing against the Yankees, I mean, look, the Yankees' offense leaves much to be desired as well. Mm-hmm. If you look outside of Aaron Judge, and even he is, I think, 0 for 7, or 0 for 8 now with 7 strikeouts. Yep. Grounded out in his last at bat to go 0 for 5 with 4Ks yesterday. Um, Golden Sombrero. Yeah. Uh, almost the platinum. I was hoping he'd get that fifth. Uh, but, the, I mean, the boos came down for him, too. How do you boo that man? I, dude, I, I heard him. And it's, it's crazy, man, because. We are a victim of circumstance, right? We see we baseball fans, sports fans in general. You very much live in the moment, right? And in that moment, you convince yourself that that moment is a, a, a predictor of what's going to happen in the future, right? So you have your fans sitting there. Forget the fact that Judge hit three eleven. Forget that he hit sixty two home runs. Forget that he drove in about one hundred and forty. You're 0 for 7 with 7 strikeouts. Boo. Yeah. What Dude, the if, hell, man? If I'm judge, I'm like I, I I hear that and I'm I'm out of New York. I'm done. And signing yeah. with Baltimore so yeah. I can face him 12 times, 14 times next year. Yep. Yeah, I wish. Continue. Go back there and keep getting booed. Uh no, sorry. I didn't mean to get off off topic with that was with me. Cleveland. Um you know, I, I I don't I don't really, you know, if they can if they can I mean it's a, it's a 1-1 series. Yeah. So 
if and they got Tristan McKenzie going today. They have McKenzie going today. Uh, Severino for the Yankees, who has not been great in his postseason career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, he's barely pitched in three years. Yeah. So, and you know, to be fair, he he's back. He's healthy. He finally looks like himself again, mm-hmm. which is great. Uh, you know, great enough. Great for him. For him. Great for him. Uh, but you know, if, if they can somehow take Game Three, I mean, we we've seen it before. Anything can happen in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cleveland certainly has the pitching to go far. They have an outstanding bullpen. Their starting rotation is spectacular, but they're going to have to figure out a way to put a few runs on the board on a continuous basis if they want to make a deep run. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, um, uh, what's his name? What's their name? Tampa Bay. Yeah. They've done this thing since 2008 where they trade their good players because they have such a loaded farm system and they always have great pitching. Their pitching development is phenomenal. And they're, they're just player development is phenomenal. And so... Even though they trade away all their good players, they stay relevant. They stay in the postseason. This year, that didn't work out for them. Wander Franco spent most of the year on the IL. Kevin Kiermeyer ended the season on the IL. So did um, uh, who, who's their catcher? Um, Zanino. Zanino. Zanino spent most of the year on the IL. Randy Arosarino seemed to have, Rosarena seemed to have taken a step back this year. I saw a report, that, and this this goes with your point. I saw a report the other day that the Rays are considering moving Arosarena. In a trade. Well, I don't know how reputable that is, but I, it's something I saw, and it makes sense because that's what the Rays have done for the last decade. Right. And, and they seem to, but this year it didn't work for them. Right. And last year they got into the postseason and they were ousted in the division series by the Red Sox, who we were pretty sure were the inferior club, right? Is, it, is the league kind of starting to catch up? With Tampa Bay, because Tampa Bay always seemed to be a step ahead. They, they, they were the first ones to incorporate openers and the idea of trading away your star players, almost like a like a college format where you have a guy for four years, he's gone, you bring in the next guy who's going to be the star for four years until he's gone. Is that a way that you think that it, it's been sustainable for 15 seasons now, but are they going to be able to continue to do that or is the rest of the league catching up and saying not so fast? I, I don't necessarily think <coughs> Tampa's going to go away. They, mm-hmm. they still have a really good young core. Wanda Franco is going to be a stud. Uh, their, their starting rotation is going to be really good for a while, if, especially if guys like Tyler Glasnow can stay healthy. And they did lock up Wanda Franco to an 11-year deal prior, uh, this past offseason. They did. They're, they're going to have Shane McClanahan, Shane Boz in the starting rotation. It, they're they're going to be a good team. They're going to continue to be a good team. But, yeah, the, I think the league is catching up to them. And I, I, I look back at, you know, uh, FanFest in 2019 – the year, I guess a couple months after Mike Elias and Sigma Dell were hired. They were doing the Q&A at FanFest up on the stage, and a fan asked Sig how he was going to help the Orioles get ahead of the curve in terms of analytics. And he said, well, before we even consider trying to get ahead of the curve, we have to catch up with the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. And Tampa was one of the frontrunners in analytics for a long time. And I think... As other teams are starting to, I, sh- I shouldn't say starting because it's it's been going on, but yeah, I think I think other teams have caught up and have have figured out the right process to build sustainable success. And Tampa's got to have an offense if they want to they want to keep up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's great to have nasty pitchers on your team, but you know, you, you got you got to be able to continue to compete, and especially if the Orioles start to to make a run at, at the postseason on a, on a regular basis moving forward, 
it's going to be tough for Tampa to stick around unless unless they can get a legitimate offense. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. Now, look, a, a lot of guys were hurt. They have more guys on the on the IL this year than any other team in the league. Brandon Lau is a big time power hitter for them, and he spent the last part of the year on the IL, and that probably hurt them as well. Yeah, and, and let's not forget that this is the team in 2021 that led the majors in runs scored. So they th- they have the guys that can put the bat on the ball. Uh, he he stopped Choi. Is that his name? Uh, G Man. G Man Choi. Yeah. Who's he stop? He stop. I think was a was he a Padre in like the mid two thousands? Maybe I, I know his name from baseball cards. But. Yeah. Well, well Choi is it, to me is a guy who um, every time I see him in the lineup, I'm like, really? Like, he gets on base. He plays okay defense at first base. I feel like they need a guy to play first base, and they've been they've done this. They've never had that big time first baseman. It was James Loney before it was Choi, who was a 300 hitter, but he hit like 10 home runs a year. You need that big bopper to play first base for you, uh, in, in my opinion. I, I don't feel like you can have the offensive profile of of, of uh, G-Men Choi and have him be your everyday first baseman. Now, moving on to the Yankees. I don't want to take a survey. MLB, The MLB app was asking me to take a survey. So the Yankees, they got off to the hottest of, of hot starts this year. And it looked like they were going to, people were talking about how they might set the record for best record of all time. Yeah. And then they fell apart after the All Star break. Um, didn't even win 100 games this year. Oh, they won 99. They suck. It made me so happy. Uh, seeing uh, them it lose was, 162. Yeah, it was, it was, you come back to the mean, right? You always are who you are at the end of the year, right? You become who you are. And I looked at the Yankees roster today, and I had the, uh, today, this season, I had them finishing, I believe, second or third in the division because I thought that the, I thought the Blue Jays were far and away better. I thought the Rays pitching was going to make them better. I didn't believe that the Yankees had the pitching or the lineup depth to keep them in it. And Derpy Gaming, I don't know who this is, but he's commenting on the show, says the Yankees are overrated. You shut down Judge and Stanton. What are they? The Yankees have no bullpen depth, and yesterday showed that. And they said Joey Gallo curse. <laughs> well, the, uh, their whole bullpen uh, is hurt. Yeah. The, bu- so the bullpen I, I want to cut them a little bit of slack <clears throat> there. And But the lineup, they don't have LeMahieu for the division series. Um, Judge is 0 for 8 with 7 strikeouts. Stanton hit the 2-run homer, but Stanton is a shell of who he used to be. He'll still hit a 120-mile-an-hour home run and hit 30, 30 to 40 home runs for you, but that average is below two, 240 Yeah. Uh, at, at this point, and they're both going to strike out close to 200 times. They have a lineup of, of beer league softball guys. One, was Judge is Judge feeling the pressure now after hitting the 62? Because he hit 61. And then it took him like eight games or nine games to hit 62. It took him a while, right? And after he hit 60, it took him a while to get to 61. Is he feeling the pressure? Or is it kind of, okay, I can stop pressing so much, and now he's humanizing because he already hit the feet, and now it's like, oh, my, oh wait, he's a human being. He's not superhuman, although he looks at 6'7", 280 of solid muscle. Yeah. He's a human being. Is it, is it more of him being human, or is it... Feeling some pressure. I, I think it's more him being human. You know, the the slate is wiped clean when you enter the postseason. He has, th- there's no chance for him to add on to his home run total or his RBI total. He's no longer competing for a triple crown. He's trying to win a World Series, and you know, players go through slumps. It happens. Look at Kyle Schwarber and Reese Hoskins. They're hitting one and two in the Phillies lineup, and I think they have like three combined hits or, or did coming into mm-hmm. yesterday's game when Hoskins hit the three run homer. 
I, I think it's just a matter of, you know, he's he's not himself right now, and I, I think that's the human aspect of baseball. You know, you go through slumps, players strike out, it gets in their head. He's hearing boos from his home fans after setting the American League home run record. It's, you know, I, I don't think it's pressure anymore just because of the fact that he's no longer, you know, there's no more home run chase. Like I said, he's trying to win a World Series now. Regular season stats are out the window. Um, I, I think he's just struggling to see the ball. I think during the home run chase, opposing teams figured out how to pitch to him, how to be effective against him, and the the Guardians are continuing to do that in the postseason. And so far, it has has worked, and it's it's kept him out of games. It's helped the Guardians win games, and uh, you know, I think it's just I think that's what it is. I think it's just a slump, and I. I still th- he's going to have a big hit at some point. Yeah, I expect him to hit the walk off home run in the in extra innings. Probably yesterday. Yeah. I I, fu- I fully expect it. He's that. he's going to have his Yankees postseason moment this year. He he's, he's he might only have a couple more games to try and do it. Um, God willing. And, and and I think it's an interesting point um, that you brought up earlier when you said that he may that he may be gone. He is a free agent. The Yankees offered him a thirty plus million dollar a year deal that he turned down. And then he goes out and puts his, uh, puts up historically one of the greatest seasons of all time, right? He was a 10-11 win player. He was a, almost an 11-win player this year. Yeah. Um, and he does all of that and gets booed at home the second he starts to falter. Yeah. Maybe that's a guy that says, you know, why do I want to put up with that? I can go anyplace else, be the centerpiece of a team, put up the same numbers, and lead that team to the postseason and not have to deal with my home fans booing me because I don't think he gets booed anywhere else. I don't think he gets booed anywhere else for the start that he's had to this postseason. And that doesn't mean I think he's coming to Baltimore. I know that that's been my pipe dream since July, but since really since June, since my whole life. Um, <laughs> but I, he's from the the Bay Area. He's from California, and I heard the Giants are going to make a strong push for him. Yeah. Um, but maybe he says, you know what? I might be the missing piece in San Francisco, and I don't need this crap. Uh, you know, it, it's it's an interesting thing to, to think about, and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens once the World Series ends, and hopefully he's not celebrating, and um, where he's going to end up. Now we got we got to do this quick because we're running a little bit behind here. But Phillies playing with house money, they they kind of backed into the playoffs themselves. They had to hold off a a, a run by the Brewers. I feel like the Brewers do this every year. They yeah. start off really good. They have a really bad month or two to take themselves almost out of the postseason picture, and then they come on strong at the end, and they just miss it by the, by by a hair to get in. And I, fi- I believe they finished the game back. Yeah, um, I wanted the Brewers to make it so bad. I don't I don't know if it's because I love their their color scheme and their their logo, or if it's you know I have Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and uh, and those guys on my fantasy team, and I I love watching them pitch. They're nasty, but I, yeah, I was I was hoping to see the Brewers, but now you got the Phillies who have a, a two game. Two games to one lead, on, to the one lead defending on, champions. on defending champions. And I have no interest in the Brewers ever being in the playoffs until they get <laughs> until they get an offense that's at least interesting. That's fair. Their, their offense is terrible. They they win because they have great pitching. And for Cleveland, Cleveland was expected to finish dead last. Every year the the the, the they pick the Brewers to do something because they always do, but they never hit. They never. Andrew McCutcheon's a centerpiece of that offense, and he hasn't been an effective player, in my opinion, in four years. Yeah. It'd so be, it'd be helpful if Christian Yelich didn't fall off a cliff after his MVP season. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so, don't, don't sleep on guys like Willie Adamas, Rowdy Tellez. Like they've they've got some boppers in that lineup. They, but they're they're good players. Well they're not great. They don't hit for high average. They don't get on base a ton. But they right. they they they're they're vibe guys who get, who have power. 
right? The Phillies, they get in. They're up 2 is it 2-0? 2-1. on the Braves, who won 101 games this year, the defending World Series champions. Um, Bryce Harper, he hit that home run in the second game of the, of the wild card round. And he's taken off since then. Uh, two more hits last night, inclu- including a home run, three RBIs. Uh, Bryce Harper's back, in my opinion. Um, Castellanos is swinging a better bat, I think, in this postseason so far. Schwarber batting 056, but that dude hit 46 home runs. He can he can go on a tear at any point. Yeah. And Reese Hoskins only hitting 095, but he got that monkey off his back with that big three run homer yesterday. And they have solid pitching. Between Nola, between Wheeler, yeah. you know, they have guys that they can send out there and help you. And, and Syndergaard, who's been underrated in my opinion. Even they can, Ranger Suarez. They can go out there and they can win a ball game. Yeah. And the Braves, they may not play beyond today. And th- that's going to be very interesting to watch. And then quickly, are the Padres fun again? Yeah, man. Uh, like, Fernando, dads. Fern- Fernando Tatis isn't there, but Manny carried that team. Yeah. Manny is going to be probably top two, three for MVP this year. If he doesn't win. If he doesn't win. And, and the argument can be made that he was more valuable to his team than Goldschmidt was to his team because they also had Nolan Arenado um, and the pitching. So, although the Padres had great pitching too. The Padres, I think they're fun again. And these series with, with the Dodgers, and now that they're up 2-1 on the Dodgers, it, this is – it's it's so much fun. It's probably the series to watch right now. Yeah. Because – the Dodgers won 111 games this year. They have an entire roster filled with all-stars. And if they don't get out of the division series, they're going to win today. You know the Dodgers are going to come up, and they're, they're going to come out, and they're going to do something like put up six runs in the first inning, and they're, they're going to win today like 12-2. Nah, to I, I don't think so. Well, they got, I, I, the Padres I think, got Musgrove going, right? I think right? the Padres end the series tonight. You think so? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping so. And the thing is, I've never been a Dodgers hater. I've always been kind of like a, a, a low-key Dodgers fan. But they've been to the World Se- They went to the World Series three times in four years. Yeah, and they they win hundred games every year. I'm kind of tired of seeing them. Yeah. Uh, give me a break. Between the, the either the Astros or the Dodgers have played in every World Series since 2017. I'm ready for two new teams. Same here. I'm ready for two new teams. Absolutely. Um, with that in mind, I need you to do me a favor. Yeah. And can you read this live read for me while I get Stan on the line? Um, the word is path to stardom. It says Parth. It's said Parth for two months, and they've never corrected it, but it's path to stardom. All right, let's see if I remember how to read. These are the final days to pick up this print issue of Pressbox. I guess that's this one. Uh, on the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Mark Ravens tight end Mark Andrews path path Parth path to NFL stardom. From his late decision to play the full time the sport full time through having to overcome type one diabetes and more. Also inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan as the season gets underway, and everything you need to know for betting football this season. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Coming on Wednesday, an all-new print issue of Pressbox featuring new Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard on the cover. I guess I didn't remember how to read, and I screwed up Parth, even though you told me about it. That's all right. I, I had to get I had to get used to it because it said Parth well, for s- two months. I said Path, and then I saw the word, and then I said Parth, even though you just warned me that it says Parth. It's supposed to be Path. 
I, whatever. It threw you. It, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, joining us now on the line for his weekly segment, we have Stan the Fans. Harold, Stan, good morning. It's uh, Paul and Ryan, not Zach. How are you today? Good. How you guys doing? We're doing well, doing well, enjoying an exciting postseason. And Stan, I don't know about you, this has been, for me, a really exciting postseason. There's reason to like every team, in my opinion, except for the Yankees, that's in the postseason right now. Has this been a wildly entertaining one for you as well? Yeah, it's been uh, very entertaining. You know, whenever you have, you know, Luke and I were joking about it last night. I did not write a uh, preview for this round of the playoffs. I would have been uh, on the verge of elimination in uh, probably all the series except Seattle, Houston. You know. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely definitely been fun. A lot of drama. You mentioned Seattle; they came back from that eight-one deficit to sweep the Blue Jays. The Phillies are playing with house money. The Padres are fun again. It's certainly been a fun postseason to start. Now, before we get into that, Stan, the Orioles made a few roster moves over the past week. They claimed outfielder Jake Cave off waivers from the Minnesota Twins, uh, and they they DFA'd right-handed relief pitcher Jake Reed to make room for him. Uh, 31 extra base hits for Cave in 91 games in his 2018 rookie season. Hasn't been able to duplicate that since. Connor Newcomb of the Locked on Orioles podcast likened him to a left-handed, better version of Ryan McKenna. Do you have any thoughts on the acquisition of Jake Cave? Jake Cave has been on my fantasy team a couple times uh, over the last few years, including the last sort of four or five weeks of this year. Uh he is a he's a little bit of a disappointment, but at one time he was a very thought of prospect uh, in the Twins organization. I think he actually might have come to the Twins from the Yankees, but uh, at one time he was a a pretty high level prospect. Those days are behind him. Doesn't mean he couldn't be. Um, they, they must they must have a vision for what he might be able to bring to the table. Right I, I I imagine he's a, he's a depth piece for them moving forward. I don't know that maybe maybe he becomes that fourth outfielder. Maybe they maybe they didn't like what they had from McKenna. Or in my opinion, though, it's more so that he's going to be a depth piece. He is a left-handed bat, and they do like left-handed bats with the new dimensions in that ballpark. So we'll see if he gets some time on the major league roster. Now, the Orioles also claim catchers Aramis Garcia and Mark Colesvery from the Reds. They DFA'd relief pitchers Lewis Head and Bo Solster to make room. Garcia played in a career-high 47 games in 2022. Colesvery 10 games as a 27-year-old rookie in 2022. Now, those, to me, stand scream depth moves. These aren't guys who you think are going to be in the running for a backup catcher, are they? No. Doesn't it doesn't look that way to me unless they really uh, see something that I'm not seeing. I, lo- I took the time to look up their their uh, sort of monthly. Did we lose you? What was interesting yesterday? Stan, you have a bad connection. We're we're kind of. I know you're in the car. We're we're you're breaking in and out. Yeah, okay. Well, can you hear me now? Yes, I got you now. Okay. What was interesting yesterday is the Reds. Ended up losing three catchers. Wow! Uh, the two that the Orioles took, and the Tigers took another one. So they lost three depth pieces from their organization, which was kind of interesting. And that was kind of, to be honest with you, the most interesting thing about those moves was was looking at how the Reds could lose three catchers in one day because they weren't weren't particularly interesting to me. Yeah, uh, that's um. 
And, and and that's on them to if if you um, wave three catchers now. I wonder. I don't know what their what their catching depth is like in their system. Maybe they have a ton of them. But losing three right. catchers and losing three players from any one position in the same day to me is kind of a it's it, it's an it's an interesting and weird thing. Now, Stan, it's move. A weird, uh, it's a weird coincidence. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. all. Uh, yeah. So, Stan, let's move to the postseason. In Tampa Bay, they got swept by the Guardians in the wild card round. They lost seven straight to end their season and 14 of 18 between the regular and postseason. Stan, they seem to be the worst team in the playoffs after backing in. They have young stars like Wander Franco, Randy, Randy Rosarena, Shane McClanahan, Tyler Glasnow, uh, and Drew Rasmussen, along with Shane Boz. Despite that, is baseball kind of catching up with Tampa Bay? We know that they kind of started the whole opener thing, and they're big on bringing up these star players and then trading them before they, they reach arbitration and then continuing to do this. Is that run coming to an end? Because I feel like they've, they've gotten worse each of the last three se- each of the last two seasons. Well, it really hurt with the injury back in 2021 uh, to Tyler Glasnow. Mm-hmm. I mean, there aren't many organizations that lose a pitcher like that, and now they've lost Shane Boz, uh, won't be around most likely all of next year, I think. He wow. had Tommy John surgery as well. So, uh, and Wander Franco, while I'm, I'm not sitting here saying he's a flop, he certainly hasn't been the sort of the star that you thought he was going to be, right. you know, out of the shoot. Um, you know, they're, they, they just had the smell to me of a JV team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, against the varsity uh, for much of this season to me. I didn't fear them the way I have in past years, uh, and I don't know if, it, if they've caught on to them or whether they had injuries or made some bad decisions, but it just didn't seem like it jump. Yeah, they they did have a ton of guys on the IR on the on the IL. Wander Franco spent a good bulk of the season on the IL. Kevin Kiermaier yep. missed most of the year. So did Mike Zanino, and I know you love Zanino. Um, yep. Glass now only came back. I think the last month, the last uh, the last couple of weeks of the season. They, they have an opportunity to bounce back. I'm with you. Wander Franco has all the makings of being a star player, but he's got to do it first, and he hasn't he hasn't been what they built him up to be to this point. Now, the injury has a lot to do with that. If, I, I'm interested to see what he does over a full 162 yeah. if that happens next season. But they, they, also, they also lost Lau, and I'll tell you what player yeah. was quietly quietly not as effective was G-Man Choi. Uh, he just wasn't he wasn't producing the way he has the past couple of years. I said that to Ryan in the intro to the show today. I told him I, I was like, I don't see how you can have G Man Choi be your everyday first baseman and expect to field a competitive lineup. I mean, he gets on base, he plays okay defense, I guess, at first base. But to me, that's a guy who is never going to be more than basically a two sixty hitter that's going to hit ten to fifteen home runs. Uh, I I would like to, I don't want to see them do it. But if I'm a Rays fan, I'd like to see them go out and actually get a bopper at first base. So we'll see what they yeah. do in the off season and see if they try to get back. Um, Cleveland and the Yankees, they're tied 1-1 in their series. The Guardians don't have the offensive firepower of any of the other teams in the postseason right now, but they have incredible pitching. They're the youngest roster in baseball. Um, you and I talked about this last week. Rumors of their demise were greatly exaggerated. Stan, can they keep pace offensively and pitch well enough to take down the Yankees in this round, or was that win yesterday basically their last breath? 
Um, as I said last week, they were kind of my sleeper team. I mean, I would be positively shocked if somehow they're playing in the World Series. Mm -hmm. But they've got arguably as good a manager as anybody, you know, that's currently managing right now. And if the games are close, they seem to have an advantage. I mean, that was amazing yesterday that the Yankees, in a, in a what was it, a 1-1 or 2-2 game, 2-2, that James Tyam had to come on. You know, that is not a guy that has much experience as a reliever, uh, you know, knowing how to warm up and just the mental aspects of the game being on the line when he comes in. And uh, it was like a total mismatch late in the game to me, you know. Yeah, and the Yankees' bullpen is devastated with injuries, whether it's Zach Britton, who's been ineffective, or Aroldis Chapman. Um, they just don't have the guys in that bullpen right now. And if you're not, and if one of your starting pitchers falters, you're in a little bit of trouble. And it certainly doesn't help them that they scored two runs on a two-run homer from Stanton yesterday in the first inning and then got nothing over the next nine innings. And Judge 0 for 8 with seven strikeouts. The Yankees, yeah. Stan, when, when you look at them, they're a flawed team for sure. They got off to that incredibly hot start and then kind of faltered down the stretch. Didn't even win 100 games this year after they were on pace to, to break the previous best record of all time record. Um, do you believe in them as a World Series contender? They haven't even been to one since 2009, which is insane when you think about the fact that it's the New York Yankees. No, the, as the season wore on, they, they just became less and less impressive to me. Um, you know, that, and, and the, the real issue is that lineup of theirs. It's just, it's nowhere near what it, what it seemed to be like when, when the good times were rolling and they were, you know, 60 and 20 or whatever they were at that time. But they've been a very pedestrian offense for a long time right now. Um, I still think they'll probably get by Cleveland, but it's it's not the biggest shock in the world if they would lose to Cleveland, to me. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland can pitch with the best of them, so we'll see how that plays out. Now, the Blue Jays blow an 8-1 to lead in Game 2 of the Wild Card Series against Seattle. They lose that game 10-9. to They get swept. This after missing the playoffs despite 91 wins in 2021. Uh, this was mine and a lot of people's uh, pick to represent the American League in the World Series this year. Stan, I think they're the most underachieving team in baseball. What's going on in Toronto that they can't seem to put it all together despite having an incredibly talented roster? Well, to me, they're, they're, they're most dynamic player. Look, Bo Bichette's a great, great player. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. But I don't think he's quite as dynamic as George Springer is. And they they got George Springer on a big contract, and he's not able to go to the post enough. To me, they're a vastly different team when he's either in the lineup or in center field. And they may have to transition him to being just a DH because yeah. uh, they, they need that bat in that lineup, you know. Yeah, two, um, two seasons there, and he I, hasn't I been able to stay on I, the field. Yeah, I thought that the uh, the acquisition, the the hiring with with Dusty Baker and Buck Showalter out there, the hiring of Char- Charlie Montoya, who I'm sure is a very nice guy and a very solid baseball man, the way Cal Ripken Sr. was a solid baseball man, does not a manager or leader make, and I, I just think he was miscast. Now you're asking me what's wrong with them. Now they were managed the last 80 games by. Uh, this guy Schneider, 
who will most likely end up their manager. Uh, he's managed a lot of these players through the minor leagues, uh, the Bo Bichettes and the, uh, uh, you know, Vigio uh, uh, and the like, and the catchers that are also young. Um, but, you know, they've got a ways to go. Their pitching staff, they, they made a, a big move, bold move last year, getting Barrios from the Twins, and that move has not panned out. They spent big money getting Rayu. That didn't pan out because of injury. Uh, Barrios didn't pan out because of ineffectiveness. Uh, so now they've got Manoa and Gosman, and I don't see a lot there, you know, pitching-wise. So they've got to go back to the drawing board a little bit to me. Yeah, they, they, they've, they've got to figure out something. I agree with you that they probably need to move Springer to that DH role because if he can't stay on the field, he can't help them, and they're giving him – a ton of money, and Barrios, he was excellent against the Orioles this year and just bad against everybody else. Uh, I think you probably noticed that, too. Now, the the team that beat them, Seattle, um, look, Seattle won 14 games in a row at one point this year and then immediately lost five straight to the Houston Astros after that 14-game winning streak. That's the, That seems to be Seattle's kryptonite, the Astros, and the Astros, sure enough, Seattle's leading late in both games, and Jordan Alvarez becomes Jordan Alvarez and hits two big-time home runs to push the Astros into the lead and give them the wins. They're up two games to none on the Mariners. How do they eventually leapfrog their older brother in this division? Because much like the Yankees, it seems like they can they can beat anybody else, but the Astros, they just can't get past them. Well, it's it's pretty interesting um, to me. They, 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 you know, there's so much being written about the whole thing with, uh, you know, Robbie Ray, should they have brought Robbie Ray in? To me, if you know you're going to be, if you know you're going to be playing the Astros, how did you not do a better job at getting a left-handed pitcher, you know? Right. They, right. You know, a relief pitcher to, to be ready. Um, they, they've had the whole season to, to kind of work on that, and they, they didn't, you know. So, to me, I should have yeah, it's uh, it's the Astros are a really good team. They're, they they won 106 games this year. It's the second most wins in franchise history. Now they and the Dodgers have represented um, at least half of the World Series uh, um, teams in each of the last five seasons from 2017 uh, through 2021 you've seen either the Astros or the Dodgers in the World Series. Stan, is it time to see two new teams finally? Are you ready to see two new teams play for the World Series this year? Yeah, I I'm, I'm really don't think that way. Uh, you know, I'm not bored by whatever I see. So, you know, um, I think the Dodgers and Astros would still be the best World Series. Right now, it, Bob Melvin has got things going really well in San Diego yeah. right now. They're a very dangerous team. I don't see the Phillies having the pitching uh, to 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 go that extra that extra mile. Yeah, the, the Phillies are playing with house money though, Stan. I mean, they 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 kind of backed into the playoffs. They had to fend off a, a late surge from the Brewers to end the year I, to I get in. I apologize, Paul, Paul. I apologize. I'm getting out to the Maryland Five Star, and I got to handle. Parking right now. I apologize. No okay. worries. All right. Well, we'll we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy yourself. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. That was Stan the Fan Charles back for his weekly segment. He did ask me to keep it to fifteen to seventeen minutes, and so I was trying to uh, get to the end of the questioning there with him. 
I, I always feel bad when we have Stan on because I, I kind of let you just run with the interview and I, I just kind of sit here. I don't want Stan to feel like I you know don't want to talk to him or anything like that. Zach does the same thing. Zach, right. Zach, does, Zach might ask one question every couple of weeks, but Zach for the most part will allow, just kind of has me handle the interviews. He didn't used to be that way. I, I don't know. I just always have so much to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, and you I, know what? For the, to that point, Stan always has so much to say, and that's why Stan has multiple shows every week. He has two great shows, actually, for you every week, and that's every Monday night with uh, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley as they visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross were joined by the legendary Ken Singleton, plus Stan previewed this weekend's Maryland Five Star, which he was just finding parking for. Uh, I was actually going to have him do our five-star read, but he had to jump off the line. Uh, So he previewed uh, this weekend's Maryland Five Star with world-class writer Lillian Hurd. You can find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan and Ross are back on Monday for another great show. Guests to be announced, so stay tuned for that. Speaking of the Maryland Five Star, today's show is brought to you by the Maryland Five Star. You can see Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Maryland at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fairhill, presented by Brown Advisory. Today and tomorrow in Cecil County, Cecil County you can find out more at MarylandFiveStar.us. So here's what we're going to do. I was anticipating Stan going until about 10.55, and he had to get off early today. So what we're going to do is we are going to hit our first break. When we come back, we'll do Sounding Off with Zach Goodman featuring Ryan Blake. I love that. And then um, after that, Luke Jackson will be in studio, Press Box's editor-in-chief. He will be in studio for a baseball roundtable for the entire 11 o'clock hour. I am really looking forward to that because I ran into Luke at the Orioles game, the last game of the year, and we talked for 20 minutes. I felt so bad for my friend. He's just kind of standing there waiting for us to finish our conversation. It's just two baseball heads just going just going off about what they think the Orioles are going to do this offseason. So a lot of interesting stuff. Wanted to put them on the show, so we're going to do that in the next hour today. But first, our first break here. We'll be back next on The Better Round. Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer's sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back with Season 2 of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And, of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. What is it, Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at Pressbox online.com slash bowser the next tyus bowser show is tuesday november 1st at the hamilton sports bar and grill 5506 harford road it's brought to you by maryland vascular specialists and the all-new ginsu kamado grill that first sip that first bite 
Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today all right we are back live here on the batter i want to remind you that today's show and the first hour of today's show was brought to you by the fandle sportsbook at live casino and hotel come experience maryland's number one sportsbook this nfl season at the fandle sportsbook at live casino and hotel the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast take advantage of our 24 7 kiosks massive video screens and watch all the action from the best seat in the house with more money paid out than anyone around make Every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Joining us in studio today is Pressbox's editor, Luke Jackson. Uh, Luke has been on the bat around in the past, but he's never been in studio with us. And we kind of wanted, he and I ran into each other at the, um, at the Orioles final game of the season and talked for like, I felt so bad for my friend Adam. I know, I was just about to say that. I felt bad for him because we were talking for about 10, 15 minutes, and he was just, like, looking at his shoes and just like, oh, yeah. get me out of here. Yeah, and, and, and he's a big baseball guy, too. He and I, we, we, we met when we were 14, 
and bonded over the fact that we both love baseball. We made we played on the same travel team, and we what still. Position you play? Uh, I still play. I play in a men's thirty and over league, and Adam's actually on that team with me. I play. In my spring and summer team, because I'm one of the faster guys on the team, I play a lot of outfield. Okay. But every other team that I play on, whether it's in tournaments or in the fall, I play second base, shortstop, third base, and I pitch. Oh, okay. So I, I'm, I'm kind of a jack of all trades. I, I'm, I'm, my, uh, my manager has referred to me as his Ben Zobrist. Oh, that's, so that, the pitches. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm an all right player, but Adam's a big baseball guy and he's always talking to me about like what he, what he hopes the Orioles are going to do, what he thinks they're going to do. So I'm surprised he didn't have anything to say when you and I were talking, but two baseball guys like us, we can probably dominate a conversation. So that was certainly what happened there. So Luke is going to be with us in studio. We have the Glenn Clark radio, uh, three shot up right now because we don't have the camera set up for our bat around three shot. And this is the first time we've had three guests in studio on camera since we moved to the new computer system. So we're working with what we got right now. Before we get into Luke, and it's going to be an excellent uh, baseball roundtable, uh, we're going to do a sounding off segment that is usually done by Zach Goodman, but a sounding off fe- uh, with Zach Goodman featuring Ryan Blake today. And that in that, uh, sorry. That segment today is brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. It is the perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all kinds of foods. Get the details and reserve yours today at ginsugrills.com and use the code TAILGATE to get $100 off your order. Come get a sample of the cooking from the Ginsu Kamado Grill tomorrow and before every Ravens home game this season at the Game Day Firehouse located at the Firefighters Union Hall just west of the stadium at 1202 Ridgely Street. You can you can stop by, try some food, and enter win. Enter to win a Ginsu Kamado ceramic grill and $500 worth of grilling meats. Ryan, what do you got for us today? Well, first of all, is my name still Zach Goodman on the camera? No, there are no names. On oh, there the are no names. Okay. I was going to say it would, it would be fitting that this is sounding off with Zach Goodman featuring Ryan Blake. Uh, but anyway, guys, uh, the Orioles infield pipeline is full of guys that I love. You've got Westberg, Norby, Ortiz, Hernandez, Mayo, just to name a few who might be knocking on the door sooner rather than later. They have a likely future stud in Gunnar Henderson already in the bigs. Jorge Mateo won many O's fans over with his speed and defense this season. Ramon Arias, as I've said on our show, Give That Fan a Podcast, should be a gold glove finalist at third base. I don't know if he will be, but he should be. Taron Vavra has shown that he deserves a shot at regular playing time as well. But none of those names are reasons why the guys should neglect the infield market in free agency. Trey Turner is an established major league stud. So is Carlos Correa. So is Xander Bogarts. Even Dansby Swanson finally looks like the number one overall pick. These are four guys who will be available as free agents for the Orioles to sign. I've seen way too many people on social media these past couple weeks say that they don't want the Orioles to sign a shortstop because of all the prospects we have already. But the thing is, that's exactly what they are, prospects. Mm -hmm. Maybe Jordan Westberg will be an all-star. Maybe Connor Norby will be an all-star. Maybe Joey Ortiz will be an all-star. Maybe. Maybe. These four free agents I mentioned a minute ago all have been all-stars. Multiple times a piece aside from Dansby, who made his first in 2022. They are all above average with the bat and the glove. And for a major league general manager to neglect that market because of a few guys who might be that good one day would be irresponsible at best. If one or more of the prospects breaks into the big leagues and becomes a superstar, you find yourself with a roster crunch and more worthy players than positions on the big league diamond, you cross that bridge when you get to it. The only guy locked into an infield spot right now, for me at least, is Gunnar Henderson. He's going to be either your shortstop or your third baseman for the, for the foreseeable future. Any of the free agents I listed would be an upgrade, at least for right now, 
over any of our other in-house options. I'm not saying I'm expecting it with any of these guys, but prospects fizzle out all the time. Be cautious with your expectations. There's no such thing as a sure thing. You guys imagine if the Orioles passed on Adley in the draft because they had chances to go at catcher. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same reason major league teams don't draft for positional need. It, it, it absolutely is, and there are. I believe Tim Anderson is a free agent this year. Um, he's either a free agent has an opportunity to opt out, but I saw him on the I free. Think it's some sort of option, right? Yeah. Um, but aside from him, and Bogarts can opt out. Bogarts, right? I think, will opt out. He he hasn't decided yet. Correa said that he will. Yeah. So. Look at the four main shortstops then, right? Bogarts, Correa, Turner, Swanson. What do aside from being all stars, what do all four of these guys have in common? They are all World Series champions. They are all World Series champions. You don't pass up on a World Series championship player who is a game changer just because you have prospects at a certain position. Right. If Aaron Judge calls the Orioles tomorrow and says, hey, if the, if the Yankees lose this series and Aaron Judge calls him as soon as the season ends and says, hey, I want to come play for you five years, $200 million. The Orioles, the Orioles aren't going to say, no, we have the, Kyle Stowers. And right. They're not going to say, Cousins. no, we've, we've got Kyle Stowers and Anthony Santander. They're going to say, I would like to think that they would say, okay, we're in. Now, $40 million were, were, but you get my point. Yeah, yeah. You get my point. I'm not going to say the judge would call and say, hey, $25 million a year, because that's just not going to happen. Right. If that happens, you sign the player, right? There's no chance in hell that if Trey Turner is available and the Orioles can afford him, that they shouldn't be picking up the phone immediately and getting him here. And by the way, Trey Turner is the shortstop of the four that I want the most. I think that guy is a game changer in every aspect of the game. Yeah. Luke? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Turner's a perfect ball player. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, he's a central casting guy in terms, of like a central casting shortstop, and he really fits a lot of what they need. Um, now, like like you said, it's not going to be cheap. I would imagine that to at least start the conversation, you're looking at at least eight two hundred and more, probably along the lines of eight two fifty to to really get into the um, uh, the, the Trey Turner business. Uh, now, Dansby Swanson, I'm not sure. Xander Bogarts, I'm not sure. They're not as good as, as Trey. Mm-hmm. I will say to your point, I absolutely – now, I like the guys that you mentioned. I, I love Connor Norby. Um, I think after Gunner got promoted to the major leagues that Connor Norby had the best uh, barrel-to-ball skills in the minor leagues for the Orioles. Yeah, that's, I, that's how highly I think of his bat. And even if it's just so-so at second, I think he's going to hit enough that – uh, it isn't that you're not going to really worry about too much about you know whether his range is great at second base. Um, with that being said, I, at the very least, I think you have to get a veteran infielder better than Rugnet Odor. Yes, please. Uh, a veteran infielder to protect yourself from some of these young players not progressing the way you want. Mm-hmm. So even if you think that Joey Ortiz uh, can. Uh, crack your lineup at shorts up at some point in the coming year even if you think Jordan Westbrook or Connor Norby can do the same at second base you're going to want a veteran infielder um, at the very least around I know a buddy of mine brought up Joey Wendell a guy who 
has had some success uh, over a period of years, who could play multiple positions, someone who the manager can turn to in the event that your young guys do not progress the way that you hope they do. And, and that's the way it goes usually. Uh, you'll, you'll, if you have a bunch of young players, uh, a guy or two will take a step forward and a guy or two just won't progress the way you hope. So uh, I th- absolutely agree with you that they need to get, at the very least, a veteran infielder to help out. Um, now, whether that's going to be one of these big-name shortstop, I would probably bet against that. But um, that's I do think that they have to at least explore that, and I'm sure that they have. Um, Turner, that would – I mean, as, as perfect of a fit – as that would be that would be shocking Mm -hmm. that would be legitimately the most shocking thing to happen in the history of the Orioles in free agency if they went into the the territory that it's going to take to decide and trade Turner yeah and look we have no idea the way Mike Elias operates under these circumstances we do not or John Angelos we do not it's even though it's the same name on the paychecks the same Angelos name it's a different guy He's giving complete autonomy to Mike Elias. And this isn't Sid Thrift. This isn't um, Dan Duquette. This is Mike Elias. And he's never he's never been the GM of a team before, right? And when he says his liftoff from here, everything else he said that they were gonna that he was gonna do, you look at the boxes that he that he put out there on in his introductory press conference. He has checked every single box. I have no reason not to believe him. Now the question is, what does liftoff look like to Mike Elias? as compared to the three of us sitting in this room. Mm-hmm. And that's what we don't know. That's that's a big unanswered question right now. We're going to find out. We're going to find out over the, over the next over the next 4 months. These free agent signings, they tend to, to take longer when when it's these big name players, right? Mm-hmm. They 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 tend to go into February, sometimes into March. Now, I don't think the players like Judge, Correa, Turner, all the, all the names we've listed, I don't think they're doing themselves any favors by waiting that long, right? But if you're going to give them an offer, you can't give them the low ball because they're not going to sign it. And maybe they maybe they wait that long because they're waiting to see if they can use offers to leverage themselves in the bigger in the, in the bigger contracts. And you got to remember, Scott Boris is going to be involved in this, mm-hmm. right? So it, 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 we'll see what happens. I do think that they that they have to make a veteran signing uh, or at least have a veteran presence. I think that that could be. Ramona Rios. I don't mm-hmm. know that Ramona Rios is going to be an everyday player for the Orioles because he, he can't stay on the field. But what he does do when he is on the field is he seems to come through in big clutch situations and he plays elite defense at two different positions at shortstop. I mean, I'm sorry, at second base and at third base. And he can probably play good defense at shortstop. We just haven't really seen it for an extended period. So that could be the veteran guy that they have. Uh, in case one of these guys falters that comes up. I like Connor Norby. You and I talked about this at the game the other day. Connor Norby, to me, I mean, he hit 400 in college, and then he comes to the majors. I mean, the majors. He comes to professional ball, and he finds that power that he started to find his, his final year in college. Hits 29 home runs to lead the um, the minor leagues for the Orioles this year. The, the, the defense may be suspect, but like you said, if the, if the bat plays, you can kind of live with that. I'm very interested to see what he can do. Jordan Westberg is kind of a guy who you can pl- pretty much play anywhere except for first base, mm-hmm. and he's not going to hurt you. And that and that includes all three outfield spots. And I think that his bat, I mean, he's the minor league player of the year for a reason for the Orioles. Um, that It's going to be interesting to see what they do with those prospects. But back to the original point, certainly don't, don't neglect signing a big-name free agent just because you may have a prospect who could be something. Because like you said, at the end of the day, that's what they are. It's just prospects. You, ha- you have to anticipate the worst. 
Yeah, and I think one of the smart things that they've done, you mentioned Westbrook, you mentioned Norby, they stacked a lot of redundancy in the minor leagues so that if they trade one of them, they have someone just like him mm-hmm. behind uh, behind them. So if you trade like uh, if you traded Kyle Stowers, you would have Dylan Beavers, mm-hmm. who is a very similar kind of player. If you traded Hudson Haskin, you would have Judd Fabian. Right. If you traded Jordan Westberg, you would have Connor Norby. Mm-hmm. So that's I think that's what the one thing that they've done very smartly is is stack up at positions where they think they develop guys well, those athletic up the middle college position players, so that if they get to this point and want to trade one or two for a starting pitcher, a top of the line starting pitcher, they have someone who's kind of similar right behind them. It's almost like they know what they're doing. Almost. <laughs> almost. 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 We're going to get into more with uh, Luke Jackson here for the rest of this hour, but first we do want to go over what's going on with the postseason right now, and we're going to do that next in the payoff pitch around the league, which is brought to you by the Guilford Hall Brewery. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery. Located in Baltimore Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights, so go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. That's Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. And now, the payoff pitch around the league. Giancarlo Stanton hit a two-run homer in the first inning, but it was all goose eggs after that as Shane Bieber locked in and Cleveland scratched and clawed their way back, tying the game on an Ahmed, on an Ahmed Rosario fifth-inning blast before ultimately winning it in 10, 4-2 on run-scoring knocks from Oscar Gonzalez and Josh Naylor. Aaron Judge wore the golden sombrero with four strikeouts and is now 0-8 with seven Ks in the series. Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins hit two-run and three-run homers in a six-run third inning, and Harper added a run-scoring double in a three-run seventh to back six stellar innings from Aaron Nola as the Phillies are now one win away from the LCS after a 9-1 rout of the defending champion Braves. And finally... Trent Grisham hit his third homer of the postseason, and Blake Snell allowed one run in five and a third innings before the bullpen shut the door with three and two-thirds scoreless frames, giving the unit 13 scoreless innings in the series and giving the Padres a two-to-one series lead with a two-to-one victory over the favored Dodgers. Zach, uh, Zach, sorry. Uh, it was bound to happen. It, <laughs> it was, was bound to happen. It was bound to happen. Ryan. Four games today. What do we have on tap uh, across the postseason slate? Yeah, Paul, we've got a full slate of LCS games today, starting at 2.07 with the Braves and the Phillies. Atlanta will send 38-year-old Charlie Morton to the mound with their season on the line. This will be his first postseason start since last year's World Series when he was hit with a 102-mile-an-hour comebacker, which fractured his fibula. He faced three more hitters, striking out two of them and retiring the third. I once fractured my fibula on the golf course, and 10 minutes later, I hit my best drive of the day, so Charlie and I have a lot in common. I was I was hit with a drive. Don't, don't question it. Uh, Noah Syndergaard hurled. This is my nightmare. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. Uh, Noah Syndergaard hurled a scoreless inning in Philadelphia's Game Two loss, and will get the start this afternoon in Game Four. He comes in with a 2.33 ERA and 27 career postseason innings, and will hope to channel the dominant pitcher he once was. The Mariners face elimination at 4:07 as as they'll take on the Astros in Game Three of that series. Rookie George Kirby, who got the save in the Wild Card Series clincher versus Toronto, will try to extend Seattle's first postseason trip since 2001 for at least one more game. Kirby, despite being in the rotation for the majority of the regular season, somehow only faced the Astros once, and for what it's worth, he struck out Jordan Alvarez both times he saw him. 
For Houston, looking to advance to their sixth consecutive ALCS will be Lance McCullers Jr., who missed a chunk of the season with a forearm strain suffered in last year's ALDS, but has pitched to a 227 ERA in just under 50 innings since returning this season. The other American League Division Series returns to Cleveland knotted at one game apiece and is the only series that cannot end today. The Guardians send 25-year-old Brooklyn-born Tristan McKenzie to the hill. He was the starting pitcher in the wildcard game last Saturday against the Rays that was scoreless until the 15th inning. He struck out eight in six innings after posting a sub-3 ERA in the regular season. Opposite him will be Luis Severino for the Yankees, who is finally healthy and looks like himself again, but has a 5.23 ERA in 32 and two-thirds postseason innings in his career. First pitch for that one will be at 7.37 tonight. And finally, at 9.37, it's Game 4 between the Dodgers and the Padres. It'll be lefty Tyler Anderson, who just put together by far the best season of his career at 32 years old. He'll try to keep the juggernaut 111-win Dodgers alive. Meanwhile, San Diego native Joe Musgrove, who back in April delivered the first no-hitter in Padres history, will have a chance to send his childhood favorite team to their third league championship series in franchise history and first since 1998. Guys, the last time the Padres played in an LCS game, I know I just said it was 98, but the date was October 14th. Their current right fielder, Juan Soto, was born 11 days later. Wow. Wow. That's uh, that's my little nugget for the way, way, way to make us feel old. Thanks, uh, thanks Ryan. I'm sorry. Uh, that was the payoff pitch around the league. We're going to catch our second break here. Uh, the payoff pitch around the league was also brought to you today by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back... Playoff and Orioles banter with Luke Jackson. That and more next on The Bataround. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities, including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at maryland5star.us. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. 
Point Boulevard. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40. FanDuel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 11.40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today all right welcome back to the bat around coming to you live from our Towson studios on a beautiful Saturday morning it's a nice day for Maryland football which I'm going to be watching. I, I, they, I believe they play at noon today, right? 3.30, I think. Oh, 3.30, so I will not be watching it okay. when, I, when I leave here, but I can watch it at work. Uh, well into the second hour here of the bat around. Luke Jackson, Press Box's editor, is in studio with us for this baseball roundtable. Uh, today's Orioles and playoff banter is brought to you by the Maryland Five Star. See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier Equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory today and tomorrow in Cecil. Cecil, that's the second time I've said Cecil. <laughs> Cecil County. Find out more at MarylandFiveStar.us. Now, we're going to start off today. Luke is here because we're going to talk a lot about the Orioles and what we, where we think they can upgrade, what we think they're going to do uh, throughout the off season, but. It's been quite the interesting postseason so far. It's been, honestly, as exciting a postseason as I can remember. I've been glued to my TV when I can be for these games. I've been coming home from work and just sitting in bed and watching baseball till 1 o'clock in the morning. It's been been awesome. So we're going to start off talking about the the series that have happened and the series that are continuing to go on. And we're going to start with the Guardian sweep of the Rays. Four runs total scored in the series. Guardians um, matched a Jose Siri home run in game one. In the bottom half of that frame, they get a two-run homer from their own Jose, Jose Ramirez, to give them the 2-1 to lead and the 2-1 to victory. Then game two, scoreless through nine, scoreless through 10, 11, 12, 13, 
first postseason game in Major League history to go beyond 13 innings scoreless. Finally, bottom of the 15th inning, was Oscar Gonzalez comes up to the plate. Oscar Gonzalez. Right? Yeah, with the SpongeBob theme song. Yeah, the, yeah. walk up. And he hits the walk-off home run to catapult the Cleveland Guardians into the LDS. And this is a team that, along with the Orioles and the Athletics, were widely ripped apart this past year before the season started for having such low payrolls and not making a competitive effort. And yet, here are the Guardians back where they always are, atop the AL Central, the youngest roster in baseball, one of the youngest and brightest pitching staffs in baseball, starting with Shane Bieber and continuing with Tristan McKenzie. This is a team that, as Stan has said, that they were his dark horse candidate at the beginning of the year to make a run into the postseason. I never bought into them being terrible. I never bought into that because I looked at the pitching and I looked at Jose. Why would Jose Ramirez sign on the way he did to be on a terrible baseball team? That was my, my clue number one, that this team is better than people think. Uh, analysis here, Luke and Ryan, uh, the Guardians, are they good enough to get past the Yankees and make a competitive ALCS with who I, I honestly I think it's going to beat the Astros? Are they, are they good mm-hmm. enough to beat the Yankees and make it competitive in the ALCS? I think they absolutely are. What do you think? I, I think so. Um, I, the pitching is probably the best in the postseason. Uh, when you when you look at the bullpen, there there are six guys in that bullpen that I can send out with confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's you know it, even in the series against the Yankees, the are the Yankees the better team? Probably, but if the game comes down to the bullpen, as as we see in the postseason all the time, advantage Cleveland. Yeah, you, you mentioned that Cleveland has six relievers that they can send out confidently. Um, at this point in the year, most teams have like three, maybe four. So that's an advantage Cleveland's going to have over any team that they face is that bullpen. And if I'm not mistaken, Cleveland relievers are striking out like nearly 40% of the hitters that they've faced in the postseason. So that's only four games, but still, that's a lot. Um, and when you have the starting pitching that Cleveland has – those starters go deep enough to really put those relievers in a position to succeed. Uh, and what the other thing that Cleveland really does well, and this uh, complements their pitching so well, uh, they catch the ball. Mm-hmm. They can really, really catch the ball. And I know that Orioles fans had fun on Twitter poking fun at Stephen Kwan. Stephen Kwan's a hell of a player. Yeah, he's a good and, ball player. I, I mean, he's getting on base uh, as a rookie. And like you mentioned, um, yeah, Cleveland, 16 or 17 rookies made their debut this year, and most of those guys ended up contributing mm-hmm. uh, in a real way, uh, including Quan, uh, who got on base at 37% of the time uh, as walked, a rookie. Walked more than he struck out, which like never happens for a rookie. And you know, made a big play in left field yesterday mm-hmm. to save a couple runs. Uh, and if he doesn't make that play, it's 4 nothing Yankees. And right. you know, game's probably over at that point. So... Uh, I'd like the the one thing I don't like about the the Guardians, and this is the same way, uh, the same thing that everyone thinks. They give away outs at the bottom of their order. I mean, Austin Hedges, he uh, he can really catch. Mm-hmm. The best thing you could say about his bat is that he can really catch. He blocked a ball yesterday that really had no business not being a wild pitch. But I, someone said, a buddy of mine sent this to me. He's got like 1,800 major league at-bats throughout his career and doesn't even have a 600 OPS. Right. Like, 
I I don't know how many hitters have been allowed to bat that many times mm-hmm. and be that bad on a good uh, team. The, on a good team, and then Miles Straw, he's an even worse hitter than Hedges. So anyway, that's where the the Guardians really lose me. And I figure that by the end of the postseason, that'll probably be their undoing. That the bottom of their order just is so punchless. Yeah. And but the thing is. You look around the league, it's amazing how many of these huge payroll teams come into October with like half a lineup. Right. It's 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 amazing to me. Like even like the the Yankees without Benintendi and DJ LeMahieu, like their lineup gets thin awfully quick. Mm-hmm. And they start relying on guys who just came up in like August. Yeah. Uh and the Dodgers yesterday I thought like the bottom of third of their order. See, when I watch the Dodgers, sometimes it's it's they've got a little thing going on where not I'm not, I want they outscore their uh, opponents by like 350 runs this mm-hmm. year. So I don't want to, but sometimes you're like, how much of that is beaten up on the Diamondbacks? Like how much of that is beaten up on the Rockies? Because they have like guys at the bottom of their order who I I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. That's all, I mean that's what you're here for. I want to go back to your point about Austin Hedges. He has he's played 605 regular season games in his career, 2001 plate appearances. Okay. His career on base percentage is 247. That's insane. amazing. Not his batting average, <laughs> his on base percentage. That's insane. That's worse than Jorge Mateo. That, yeah. I mean that's 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 absolutely insane. To have an, an on base, but, but if you're a good defensive catcher, he must be unreal I mean, with the pitchers. Yeah, the pitchers I mean, must absolutely love throwing you, to him. And what, what this all tells me, with these offenses that are struggling so much, is that pitching is still ultimately what pitching and defense is ultimately what still wins championships. The postseason is a pitcher's game. Yeah, in my yeah. opinion, it absolutely is. And, and stuff plays in the postseason. And so, it, like, I was thinking about this before. Uh, came on the show, Blake's uh, like during the game yesterday. Blake Snell is a guy who could be really frustrating during the regular season, mm-hmm. right? Because he's a five and diver, and it's like five innings, two runs, 109 pitches, maybe five and a third. It's very frustrating uh, because he can kind of burn through a bullpen like mm-hmm. during the regular season. But once the playoffs hit, if he can stuff his way through five and a third, mm-hmm. then you have like fresh relievers usually who can stuff their way through the final four innings of that game and not to mention you're also able to use starters that maybe you wouldn't have to use in that series as a starter in relief that's how the nationals won a world series in 2019 they historically the worst bullpen of all time and then they get to the postseason and when you can can kind of make it up as you go along when when you can have scherzer start strasburg start a game and scherzer can come in and pitch the seventh through the ninth innings you're going to win that ball game Nine times out of ten, it, so it, it's it's very interesting to see, like you said, a punchless lineup, um, at, at least in the bottom third from from Cleveland. But they're hanging around because they can outpitch you, and mm-hmm. I, I just think that that's so cool. Now another team that gets to the postseason because they can outpitch you, um, they've been to a couple World Series and never won one, and that's the Rays, and that's who the Guardians beat in that wild card round. They scored one run in mm-hmm. twenty four innings mm-hmm. in that series. They backed into the postseason. They lost five straight to end the regular season, 12 of 16, seven of their last nine, and then they lose both games. So they lost seven straight games to end the year. How does Tampa Bay feel good about their season, knowing that, yeah, we made the postseason, but we lost our last seven games? One. And two, uh, Luke, and Ryan and I have talked about this, has the league kind of caught up to what Tampa Bay does? Tampa Bay, what they do is they go out there and they, they bring up these prospects and they make them into stars and then they trade them. Mm-hmm. And then they continue to do that and it's a cycle that goes through there, rinse, rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. And then they have great pitching development so they can mm-hmm. have a starter like a Tyler Glass now or they can have a um, 
uh, they, they can trade guys in the past, like a, like a James Shields and a Matt Garzer and a Chris Archer, and have somebody ready to take their place mm-hmm. immediately. Is that continu- going to continue to work? It's worked for 15 years, but they've kind of gotten progressively worse each of the last two years after making that World Series and that truncated season. They had a lot of injuries this year. Yeah. And I, I would say it's a, it was a fluky amount of injuries. Yeah. And I don't, like the Ravens just, from last year. Yeah. yeah, so I don't suspect that that'll continue. Um, it, the one injury that really I don't think they ever bounced back from or really replaced him in any way was Brandon Lau. He was a guy who had 40 home runs in 2021. Now, the ball was different. Mm-hmm. And so, but... And he was facing an historically. It felt like about twenty of those home runs came against the Orioles, yeah. and historically bad um, pitching staff. But he was a left-handed power bat that they could never really replace. Uh, like G-Man Choi wasn't going to replace what no. Brandon Lau brings to the table, and that was an advantage they had at second. But like, who else? Who they're playing has a second baseman who can hit forty home runs in a season. Like that was an advantage that they had that they just never really could get back. Now, to your point. It could I, I still think that they're going to continue on with their with the way they do business. I thought it was funny. I think uh, they signed Glass now to a 2024 contract. And it was 25 million dollars. I'm thinking like, okay, they're not paying that. Like, they're someone else is going to pay that. And so, uh, like, I think it'll probably end up you know being the same. And I think that they in the uh, another injury that like they ne- never got the Wander Franco that they thought they mm-hmm. were going to get this year, right? He was in and out of the lineup, and when he was in the lineup outside of April, he wasn't very good. So uh, if they if he's fully healthy next year, you know, that's a guy that has all the the, the equipment to be an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so th- that could be that could help them out next year as well. Um, so it, I, I think they'll still be in the mix next year. They'll probably have better health, uh, and they'll probably just do what they do. Now, to your point, it was a very disappointing end to them to their season. They only won eighty six games this year. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the Orioles were only four games away from oh, overtaking them. They opened the door and tried to usher the Orioles through to end the year. Orioles just ran out of gas. Yeah, yeah. It's but it, it, you could say the same thing about the Rays too. No, absolutely. Uh, like they just seem like the injuries kind of caught up with them at the end of the year. Yeah. Even yeah. even Seattle started to falter toward the end. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, when you play at such a high level and you're playing with your hair on fire for as long as teams like the Orioles, the Rays, and the Mariners did, and maybe they aren't the most talented rosters, or maybe, in the Mariners' case, they have a talented roster. Right. But it's a bunch of young guys who have never played this many games and never been in this situation right. before. Uh, it's going to catch up with you at some point, and unfortunately, that tends to be at the end of the year when you need to be playing your best, most inspired baseball to try and make that postseason run. So I, I do agree that's probably what, what's happened here. With Seattle, this was Seattle's uh, uh, bugaboo all year was – the Astros are just <laughs> the Astros. Even if they they're better, they they were about twenty games better mm-hmm. than than the Mariners this year. But even if they aren't twenty games better than the Mariners, they have that playoff pedigree. They have yep. that know how of how to get through a hundred sixty two game season, continuously win, and then get to the postseason and still play winning baseball. They know how to do that. Seattle's never been there. Nobody in that franchise has been there since the last time that they got. To the to the postseason, they're down 2-0 right now to these to these Astros. Jordan Alvarez has been playing baseball god for the mm-hmm. last two games against them. It's been their Achilles heel. We were talked about it. they lost, they won 14 straight games and immediately got swept by the Astros coming out of the All Star break. Mm-hmm. They lost five straight to the Astros to start the second the second half um, with a series in between. 
Is there any chance for Seattle to get back into this series? Or can you just see it being a sweep and it's over after today? Well, Seattle's going to be a madhouse. Like, that's for sure. And, and this series has to be so frustrating for the Mariners and their fans so far. Yeah. They have been better than the Astros, but for one guy. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, they, the, the Mariners have to feel like they're right there. Yeah. And it's one guy that's basically ruined their postseason uh now i jordan is like the perfect left-handed hitter for me he's the best left-handed hitter in baseball right better than freeman better than soto better than harper better than Dever, devers he's unbelievable and like i was talking about like a central casting he's a central casting left-handed hitter he's incredible now What's interesting to me is that they only have two left-handers on their staff for this series, which I could have told you that, and not that Jordan hits everyone. He's got like a 1,000 OPS against lefties. Yeah. Um, I was actually texting with Stan. I was joking around. I said, well, they could have traded uh, the Orioles, Julio Rodriguez, for CNL Perez. I would have said yes to that. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, uh, but, but yes, to your, your original question, Seattle's going to be a madhouse. I think they could very easily take these next two, um, but it's hard for me to envision them taking the next three. I don't know. I it just, I, but because it's because of Alvarez. Mm-hmm. I think f- outside of him, I think the the teams are pretty even. But he's the difference maker. Yeah, uh, Alvarez to me is even if he's he may not be the best left-handed hitter, but he's easily the most terrifying. He's, oh yeah, he's the guy I least want to. It's face. like a left-handed Frank Thomas. Yeah. yeah, I mean yeah, that's, yeah. that's a perfect comparison. And he's, I think he's twenty five. Yeah, he's a young guy. It, it's, it's. It, I mean, he was this good when he came up as a rookie. Can you imagine if if the Dodgers hadn't traded him? Mm. The Dodgers traded him in twenty sixteen for Josh Fields. Like, I, it's 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 who? crazy to think about. Exactly. Right. No, I, I yeah. I, I I don't necessarily think that. I I kind of agree with with your point there, Luke. I could see Seattle taking the two games in Seattle. I don't think they win. This is basically the start of a three-game series against the best team in the American League that they have to sweep. Mm-hmm. I, right. I don't see that happening. And and you look at it, really, I mean, they've had two games in Houston, and Altuve didn't do anything, and they weren't able to scratch a win off in either of those. Right. Uh, and now I have to imagine that Altuve is going to get going pretty soon um, and see if like even Alvarez cools down that others are going to uh, – Others are going to step up. Maybe Trey Mancini will be one of those who steps up. Um, I, speaking of that, I thought that the Astros would do a little bit more at the deadline than Trey and Christian Vasquez. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was just talking to someone who would know, and it, this person was like, dude, you don't understand that. Like, that's a really thin farm system. Like That's all they could really do. Yeah. And, and so it's just weird when you have a team that can legitimately – win the world series and you come away in the from the deadline with like trey and christian vasquez and you're like really mm-hmm. but it, you know but apparently that's where their farm system sits right now because they they haven't been picking they yeah, haven't been that, drafting that's so great. they have they don't have any first round picks the past few years so you know yeah, and i'm honestly they still won 106 games they're they're, yeah. they're still the odds on right, right. <laughs> they're still the odds on favorite and they have the best young left-handed hitter in the game in the middle of their lineup that i i I think they'll be okay. I think yeah. I think they'll be okay. Now the Blue Jays, 
all the talent in the world. They have some of the best. They have one of the best lineups in all of baseball. They've got Barrios and Galsman and um, and Manoa at the top of their rotation. They've got Romero in in. Uh, is it? It's from Romano. It Romano. Romano. I keep yeah. calling him Romero, but it's yeah. Romano. I got to think Ray Romano. Ricky had, Romero. Had a Ricky, That's who you're yeah, thinking Ricky of. Romero. Yeah. Um, but they, they, they've got Romano in the back end of their bullpen. This team was my pick to represent the American League in the World Series this year. A lot of people's pick. They won 91 games last year and missed the postseason. Mm-hmm. This year they win less games. They get to the postseason, and they're ousted. Two games to none in the wild card round. By the Seattle Mariners, they had an eight to one lead in the fifth inning against the Mariners, and they lose that game ten to nine. Luke, is this the most underachieving team in baseball? Yes, I think that their lineup from top to bottom uh, was the best in the American League coming into this year. It's better than New York's. It's better than Houston's. Uh, and for me, when I watched Orioles games, that Toronto's lineup was the one that was most relentless from top to bottom. Uh, and you know, I love Manoa. I love I love Gossman. If it, it felt like they left something on the table this year, uh, now it is a tough division, so that could explain the win total a little bit. Whether they win like eighty nine games, yeah, I believe it was eighty nine. They're more talented than an eighty nine win team, mm-hmm. uh, and I know they were having bullpen issues, uh, which can drag down a win total. Uh, but to your point. Is this the most underachieving team? I think you could certainly make that that case. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. You, you look at that lineup, and there it should be. They should be an offensive juggernaut, and at times they looked like they were so inconsistent. Very inconsistent. Uh, you know, Springer having injury concerns. Bobichet was not exceptionally good until the final month of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, He's a guy they need to be a little bit more consistent. He was just so damn good in September, though. I think yep. he finished the year leading the American League in hits. Yep, I think so. Yeah, and as a, as he was on my fantasy team, so I I appreciate that. Uh, Jose Barrios, uh, Barrios supposed to be an ace on, on that staff. You know, obviously they got Manoa and Gosman who are going to be great in their own right, but Barrios is supposed to be right up there with them. He's a he had never had a full season ERA over four. He was a five twenty three this year. Yep, he, he's a guy who who very heavily underachieved you say Kikuchi lost his starting role uh Stan mentioned Ryu who hasn't been anything special um you know yeah exactly and so you know it's it's a team that you expect to be a lot better than they were I don't remember if they were my preseason pick to go to the World Series but they were certainly up there in the discussion uh yeah it's it's got to be a disappointing end for them leave a bitter taste in their mouth uh as as an Orioles fan I'm delighted Oh, yeah. Watching them blow the 8-1 lead, there was nothing more thrilling for me (laughs) to this point in the postseason, except for maybe Alvarez, because that helped me with take to rake, which we'll get to later in the program. But, um, look, this is a team that I would not be shocked in the least to see them go out there and add another starting pitcher, like a legitimate starting pitcher. I think they need some bullpen help. They need a left-handed bat. And they they, they got another bat. And and Stan said, and and I agree with him, I think it's time to take George Springer out of center field. And it's not to be because healthy. yeah, you because you, you like he's a great center fielder, he's a great player, but if he's not in the field, then he's not helping you. Right, and, and he's their engine. Right, he's the guy when he's out there and going well, they become very difficult to slow down. Uh, their offense becomes very difficult to slow down, and when he's not in there, they become a lot easier to navigate. And and, he, and the way he takes his his at bats is so crazy because that first pitch that he swings at, he will sell out for that thing every single time and try and hit it 900 feet. And if he doesn't miss it, 
He just puts together a professional bat after that, put, fouls off pitch, and the next thing you know, he's on second base with a double. He's been he's doing such, it since he was at UConn. He, he's yeah. such a good player, such a good player, but if he's not on the field, you're paying him a lot of money to not do anything for you. We, we saw it against the Orioles that he's kind of the catalyst of that lineup. You know, It, it felt like we were in a lot of games, and, and I might be exaggerating this a little bit, might be a little hyperbole, but it felt like we were in a lot of games against Toronto until like a a fifth inning two-run double by George Springer, and then it felt mm-hmm. like the game was over. I feel like that happened several times throughout the season. He's, yeah, he, he's a guy you need in the lineup. If you pull him out of center field, keep him healthy. Because, you know, he was back for the playoffs, and then he, he collides with Bo Bichette, and sure enough, he's out again. Right. Granted, that didn't really come back to bite him because it was, you know, the eighth inning of game two of the wildcard series they ended up losing. But he's, he's a guy you need in the lineup, so, yeah, maybe you, maybe you switch him to DH. Right. But yeah. I agree with your point, Luke. You, they need a left-handed bat. I, yeah. who, who's their – they've got Jackie Bradley, Kevin Biggio. Rymel Tapia. Rymel Tapia. Yeah. They, that's not going to do it. They need a big power bat, power left-handed bat. Yeah, Jock, Jock Peterson could yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, maybe you could bring in – I don't know, can Jock play center at this point? Probably not. No, but I, I feel like you could probably put – I mean, you could put Tapia out there. You could put yeah. Yeah, Teoscar yeah. in, in center, I feel like. Uh, there's got to be yeah, somebody. I, think, I was thinking, like, move Springer to left. And bring mm-hmm. in like a left-handed hitting center fielder. He just he plays so hard. Right. He, he just plays so. You have hard to almost have to save him from himself. Exactly. And speaking of Tay Oscar, if it wasn't Springer, it was either Chapman or Tay Oscar yeah. who, who were coming up with those big hits. And Tay Oscar Hernandez is he's the best hitter that nobody talks about. He I, it, for my money he might be the best hitter on that team. That's and and I'm including Vladdy in that. He is just so consistently good. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Tay Oscar guy. I think that he he's incredible. Came up in the Houston program. Yeah, uh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the the Blue Jays they, they got to do a little. They're they're almost a complete team. But get that left-handed bat. They're probably going to add another starting pitcher in this offseason. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to, but they they probably know they. I need wonder to. if they would have to move out any contracts to make that happen because they they're sort of all in at this point. Yeah. They pushed a lot of chips into the, and so they're still paying. Like, are they paying Ryu next year as well to rehab, or I is he done? Think so. Uh, so I don't know if there are any contracts that they can move still. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like. Barrios is making a lot of money now. Like, I don't think they, they, they'd trade him, but like I don't know. I they'd be think, selling low. I, yeah, I think they 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 might have to move out some money to really do what they want to do because I think they've kind of maxed out their payroll this year. Maybe, but I also don't think that getting a guy like Jock Peterson is going to cost yeah. you the farm. I, I think you can have Peterson for fifteen million a year or less because he's kind of a one trick pony. Yeah, you know, and, and at least in my opinion, he's a guy who strikes out a good bit. He walks a good bit, has power, but this was maybe his best offensive season. And it was still middling. In my opinion, right. but I, I I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. They seem to have no problem spending money, and there's no salary cap in baseball, so and they have the luxury tax, which works as like a loose salary cap. But I don't know. I don't know that the Blue Jays are going to be stopped if they really want to go get somebody they think puts them over the top. To answer your question, Luke, right? He was on the books for twenty million next year. It's the final year of his four-year, eighty million dollar contract. That's so a problem for them. He's a free agent. Do they get insurance year. from that though? I don't know how that works. I don't know. I'm I'm not exactly positive. I know it's a thing, but I'm not sure how that works. Um, we we got to move on here, um, but because we do want to get to some some Orioles stuff here. Phillies out pitch, out hit, outshine the Cardinals for a sweep. Bryce Harper hits that home run in game mm-hmm. two, and that bat has really gotten going. Can there are there bats enough? Are there are there bats and they're starting pitching good enough to take them to the next round and beyond. I still think the Braves are no worse than a coin flip to win this series. Mm-hmm. When you look at the pitching matchups, uh, they've got Morton, who's a uh, 
veteran big game pitcher yeah. going today against Thor, who probably won't go that long. It's probably going to be somewhat of a bullpen game for Philadelphia because uh, Syndergaard threw a little bit a couple days ago, so I would imagine he'll go three, maybe four innings, maybe. Uh, and one of the issues, again, with Syndergaard every time he pitches, <laughs> once anyone gets on base, it's a track meet because mm -hmm. he can't hold any runners. That's an issue. Uh, for That'll be an issue for Philadelphia today. I think that game starts at one. Uh, and then in game five, it would be Ranger Suarez, uh, a second look at him for Atlanta. And Atlanta's lineup kills left-handed pitching. And they were on the verge of doing that to Suarez. Uh, before Thompson got him out of that game. Who did like, yeah. yeah, he was like walking a tightrope yeah. that entire game. Uh, and then they would have Max Reed going uh, at home, and I doubt he's going to be as bad as he was in game one. So I still think the Braves are no worse than a coin flip to win this series. Sure. Um, now, it's again, it's going to be a madhouse in Philly. That atmosphere yesterday was awesome. Yeah, that was a lot of pent-up energy for Phillies fans because they haven't had a home playoff game in, like, over, I think it's about 12, no, 10 years. 2011. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. It's, uh, and if they can hop on Morton early and get that party going, you know, maybe it's a different story. I still think the Braves are no worse than a coin flip to win this series. So. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think the Braves are the better team. Um, but you also have to consider that the Phillies are up 2-1 in this series, despite the top two hitters in their lineup, Kyle Schwarber and Reese Hoskins both hitting under 100 mm -hmm. in the postseason. Uh, if one of those guys can get it going, we saw it with Hoskins yesterday, hit a massive home run, epic bat bat slam. That was cool to see. Um, if, if those guys can get it going a little bit and, like you said, get to Morton early, I, I think the Phillies could end it today. Uh, but I, I agree with you that the Braves are the better team, and it, when you look at the pitching matchups, could easily take the next two. If Schwarber gets on one of his heaters, and there's no hitter in baseball who gets hotter than Schwarber. Right. He can legitimately carry them to a World Series title. He can be their Jordan. Yep. I, I'll, I'll tell you, man, uh, people talk about, and they're going to talk about that Reese Hoskins home run and that bat slam for a long time. For me, the Harper home run was the bigger one. For me, the Harper home run was bigger because, A, he's gotten hot at exactly mm -hmm. the right time. He was not Bryce Harper when he came off the IL. And he's gotten hot at the right time. And it's still 4-1. to one. When he hits that home run, the Braves are thinking, all right, we can still come back. Hitters Park. Yeah, yeah we, can, we can still come back in this. Harper hits that two-run homer into that sea of red and white out there in right field, and it makes it a 6-1 game. And it just— six nothing, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, you're right. It, it yeah. makes it, it makes yeah. it a 6 nothing game. and No, it, it was 6-1. It was 6-1 because it, it oh. was the game was 1-1, I believe, when the three-run homer got hit. Oh, okay. Um, but— he he hits that home run and it just it's it, it's gonna suck all the rest of the. That life. was the MVP swing off yeah. a left hander. Yeah, that, that, that was that. I mean, Bryce Harper when when Bryce Harper's hot, he might be the best player in baseball. Yeah, and yeah. I think he's hot right now. That that home run was huge for them. Uh, their, their offense, their firepower, and they, nobody. And we're not talking about Nick Castellanos, who looks more like Nick Castellanos in the postseason than he did at any point during the regular season. So does, yeah. he, I know he's only hitting two sixty three, but I've liked the swings he's put out. Uh, a lot more this postseason so far. Uh, Padres take down the Mets in three. Uh, Scherzer got roughed up. Now, Scherzer, he posted the lowest ERA of his career mm -hmm. this year, a 2-2-9, albeit in 23 starts. But four of his last eight, star eight starts, including the postseason, he's given up four runs. His last two starts, he's given up eight runs on six home runs. Um, is What's going on with Max Scherzer? Uh, are you worried about him moving into next season? And uh, another question just about the Mets in general, Buck Showalter, 
really good at getting his team to the postseason, but mm-hmm. then he, he doesn't make any noise once he gets there. Um, is this going to be his MO for his entire career? You know, the thing with Buck is that how, how many times has he even gotten close to a World Series? Like, Dusty Baker has gotten, like, tantalizingly close mm-hmm. to winning a World Series. He's been in a World Series. Yeah. yeah. Like, Buck, I don't think, like, obviously here didn't even, win an, didn't even win an ALCS game. Like, I don't know, like, how close he's even gotten to winning a World Series. I don't know if that says anything about Buck. I don't know if that's just random. Um uh, but uh, to your your other question was about Max. Mm-hmm. This is a second straight year where he's sort of run out of gas at the end of the year, and he's, what, 38 years old? Yeah, he's got real, real quick, I want to apologize for the background noise. There's always people out here doing landscaping work during our show, so I apologize if you can hear that in the background. But continue, my bad. Um, so, uh, yeah, basically, last postseason with the Dodgers, he didn't make his final start because basically his arm was fried. Mm-hmm. And then he gets like $40, $45 million a year from the Mets uh, over two, three years. And again, in the postseason, not fair. And he wasn't very good in that big series in Atlanta. Uh, so I don't know if it's – and it's not like he threw that many innings this year. Like mm-hmm. he said, only 23 starts. And a lot of those starts were managed. It's not like Buck just like let him go in a lot of those starts. Right. So I don't know if it's like how many miles he has on the odometer. Uh, but that would certainly be a concern for me if I'm a Mets fan and I'm thinking about how do we take the next step in the postseason over the next couple of years. Obviously, Max Scherzer is going to have to be a part of that. The last two postseasons, not very good for Max. And yeah, normally you could just you, you could just hand wave that away as being fluky. But the guy's like 38, 39 years old. Got a lot of miles on that odometer. Mm, yeah, he, he's still a guy I want on my team, but you, you talk about the struggles in the postseason. He's getting older. He doesn't have the velocity he used to. He, it's, it, it is concerning. You know, when a team that's looking to make a run at a World Series, you, you said it a, a little bit ago, pitching is, is king in, in the playoffs. Stuff is king. Stuff yep. is king, yeah. I mean, Josh Hader, threw, he, he had never thrown a pitch 100 miles an hour in his career. He's thrown five in the postseason this year. Did you see that changeup he threw yesterday? It was nasty. It was like 94. When he threw that, I'm like, that's the first changeup I've ever seen Josh Hader throw. I, th- I really just thought he was fastball breaking ball, four-seam breaking ball. Yeah. Like, he throws that, throws yeah. that changeup. That's the nastiest pitch I've ever seen him throw. Worst year, of his, worst year of his career, though, he still converted 90% of his saves, 36 and 40. Worst year of his career, sometimes you got to evolve or, or mm-hmm. evolve or die, right? Exactly. It's and that's kind of what he's doing, and the, the, the Padres they look they look like a completely different team under Bob Melvin. It's, it's it's they've got Juan Soto, they've got Josh Bell. They're kind of um, negating the loss of Tatis. Imagine if they had Tatis, um, assuming he's able to do what he was doing and it wasn't PEDs. And I, I think that that's probably likely the case. I think the PEDs were to help come back from injury uh, more quickly. Um, but that's a topic for another day. Bob Melvin to me is a difference maker. For that team, because the Padres had all the talent in the world, but they had um, Jace Tingler mm-hmm. as their manager, and that guy couldn't manage his way out of a wet bag. <laughs> you bring in you bring in Bob Melvin, and suddenly this team's back in the postseason, and they're sticking it to the 111-win Dodgers. But Ryan and I were talking about this earlier. The Padres, A, they're fun again. Mm-hmm. B, Manny Machado might be the MVP mm-hmm. this year, because you can make the argument nobody was more valuable to their team aside from in the national. If league. I had a vote, I'd certainly consider voting for him. Yeah. And, and they've got pitching. They've got the pitching to do this. They've got Musgrove going today. Mm-hmm. They could very easily close out this this um, 
this series today against the team that's been to the World Series three times since 2017. And now that Hater is back doing, like, I texted Stan last night. I said, you know, if if this is Hater, if this is the way he's going to throw, the Padres can win the World Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their setup man is throwing uh, really well. Suarez, I think he's. Ray, yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's for it. Sorry. Yeah. And so now with those two guys at the back end of your bullpen throwing really well, those guys kind of loom throughout the game where you kind of have to – you feel like you have to get a lead uh, by the sixth or seventh inning to have a chance to win. And that sort of creates a certain anxiety in your early at-bats, in my opinion. Robert Suarez. Robert Suarez, yep. 31-year-old rookie. He's out there throwing 101 miles an hour. Yeah. It's it's exciting, man. It, it's They're a fun team. I, I – you said it earlier in the show, Paul. I don't, I don't dislike the Dodgers. I never really have, mm-hmm. but they're obviously one of those big market teams that's always in the run. And so, yeah, I would. I mean, as a Manny Machado fan, Ryan Flaherty is, I, I think, their bench coach, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, uh, it's it's a fun team to root for. Uh, they've been my my favorite team in the NL for a few years now, and uh, yeah, it's it's exciting to see that. And you've got a back end of the bullpen that's that's gonna be out there throwing gas and shutting hitters down. Yeah, I mean, I personally, I I think, I w- I would be putting money on the Padres today. Yeah, and, and I think it's easy to say that to root for whoever's playing the Astros and whoever's playing the Dodgers simply because one of those teams has been a World Series representative every year since 2017, and in one instance they were both in the World Series. They were playing each other, and yeah. so it's this is a, a, an opportunity to see, and that's why this postseason has been so exciting. Right, because you're you're seeing teams that you haven't seen there, or haven't, or if they have been there, they haven't had the success. They're they're giving you reason to believe that they can make it to the World Series. And if I get, I don't know, if if I get a, a Phillies Mariners World Series, or a, a or a Padres Guardians World Series, maybe that's not what's best for baseball, but that's what's best for Paul Valley. That's yeah. It. That's that's what I want to. And see. that's what Paul Valley is concerned with. Yes, I'm, exactly. I want to. I want to watch baseball that I want to watch. You, <laughs> Me get, too. Yankees, Dodgers, yawn, dude. No, every no, thank you. Every division league series or yeah, division series right now. Uh, aside from the Guardians and the Yankees, they all feature a team that has an extended playoff drought. You got mm-hmm. the Phillies haven't been since mm-hmm. eleven. Padres, aside from the truncated twenty twenty season, last time they were in the playoffs, I think was 06. And then mm-hmm. the Mariners, obviously two thousand and one. So these are it, it's new blood in the playoffs, and how can you not pull for the underdogs in those situations? Right. Now, as an Orioles fan, as a you know our GM built these Houston Astros, you could argue, it kind of fires me up seeing them being so successful, and it's fun to root for them with you know Trey Mancini. But on the same token, they've they've been a six straight, or they're going for their six straight LCS. Mm-hmm. That's too many. I, <laughs> yeah. It yeah. won't be too many Shit. when that's Shit the Orioles well. in seven years. But that's I, I, I want to see some new new faces in there. So I, I you gotta I gotta pull for the I mean, pa- Padres have have never won a World Series. I don't I don't believe. Nope. Got to two I think in the Tony Gwynn era. Yeah, but, but, I, but I, I think they, they uh, combined to win one game in those two World Series. Right. They, they they they've never won a World Series. Guardians haven't won a World Series since 1948. Um, the Mariners have never won a World Series. You know, the, the Phillies, they won one in 09, but before that, I'm sorry, in 08, but before that, it was like 1980, I think was the last one. It, it's, it would be very, very interesting and fun to see a team that A, hasn't been there in a while, and B, has never been there um, get it done this year. So we're going to move on to some, some, some Orioles talk because this is an Orioles show. 
And um, we're going to take our, th- our final break after this segment. But this is Orioles Banter, which is brought to you by the next highest Bowser show, which is Tuesday, November 1st at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill at 5506 Harford Road. Tyus and a special guest will join Rita and Glenn. This is your opportunity to meet Baltimore football stars while getting the inside scoop on the purple and black. The Tyus Bowser show is a partnership of Press Box and Great Eights memorabilia and brought to you by... Maryland Vascular Specialist, and the all-new Ginsu Grill. Find out more at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. And if you happen to miss a Tyus Bowser show, you can check it out Friday nights throughout the season on 105.7 The Fan. So Orioles banter. Where can the Orioles improve? And I think that we can all agree that the Orioles, for me, my list of priorities, number one, everybody's going to say starting pitcher. For me, number one is a middle-of-the-order bat. Mm-hmm. Middle order of the order bat, and I, and I don't mean somebody that comes in here and can hit 240, but hit 40 homers and strike out 210 times. I mean somebody who is a threat to get on base every time up, and that strikes fear in the opposing pitcher. That's my number one priority. Then you can look at the starting rotation. Then you look at the bullpen, and then you need a backup catcher, and you need somebody that can play first base and give Ryan Mountcastle a blow because Ryan Mountcastle. I, I think it's his first time extensively playing at first base. The hottest months of the year, July and August, were his two worst months of the season. He needs an opportunity to get a blow and still keep his bat in the lineup. You can potentially, but there's one name out there that I know Lucas big on, um, that can give him that blow and he can satisfy the middle of the order need and the guy to play first base for you when Mountcastle isn't playing. We're going to get to that. Where can the Orioles improve? Right, You look at catcher, they're set with Adley Rutschman. One of their infield positions on the left side, whether it's shortstop or third base, is going to Gunnar Henderson. Mm-hmm. And then, really, you don't have and and Mountcastle is going to play first base, and he's going to hit somewhere in the middle of your lineup. And you, so you know that that aside from those three, you don't really have a clear cut guy that you you can confidently say will be there on opening day in 2023. Maybe Cedric Mullins. I think Michael Elias really likes Cedric Mullins. I think that even this was a down year for him, and he still had a really good season. Um, so let's start, Luke. Where do you see the biggest improvement being made for the Orioles? It's interesting that you said that a legit middle-of-the-order bat is your top priority. Would you agree with that? Or for you as a top-of-the-rotation starter? To be honest, I, I haven't I haven't fully digested that yet. I think they're both pretty significant priorities, uh, but I could see arguments in either direction. Yeah, it's it's interesting that I think when they drafted Heston Kerstad, that's what they envisioned him being. Obviously, his career went sideways, mm-hmm. uh, and he might still be that guy. Obviously, he's having a huge Arizona Fall League right now, and I think they're still optimistic that he could be that guy in the future. It's just del- what like Buck used to say, delayed but not denied. To your point, where do you where would you like to see that middle of the order bat come from? So for me, I think definitely, I think the easiest way to go about that it's hard to find a middle of the order center fielder. Right, that's hard to find a middle of the order shortstop. And like we were saying, like Trey Turner, it's going to cost like two hundred fifty million dollars if you want a middle of the order shortstop. And he's more a one two hitter, right, than he is a right. four hitter. Uh, so for me, it was pro- it would probably be like more of a corner bat. Mm-hmm. So to your point, maybe like that first base DH type, or maybe it's like a a right fielder. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you move on from Austin Hayes. You give Anthony Santander. He's a bit lumbering in right field. Maybe yeah. he's your primary DH. Uh, and then you can give Stowers a shot in left field, and you can bring in somebody to play to be the right fielder. Aaron Judge. There you go. That's <laughs> uh, that. That would fit what you're what you need, right? Yeah. Uh, so, and if you look at what the Astros did again, that I try to go back to what the Astros did under Lunau, Sig, Elias, because the blueprint has been roughly the same. They've changed some some things. Uh, like they haven't drafted any pitchers early. They did that with Houston. They learned that lesson there. Mm-hmm. So they've changed some things, but it's pretty much been the same blueprint. Right. And they brought in a guy like, and you mentioned this name, and I don't think it'll be this guy, but someone maybe like him, a Michael Brantley. Right. And I, he doesn't really fit what you were saying, like that that feared middle-of-the-order slugger. Uh, but like a corner guy like that who can play a corner outfield spot Every well, single day, Brantley is is a guy that if you can sign that big middle of the order bat and still bring in a guy like Michael Brantley yep. who's getting up there in years, but he's still a, an elite hitter and he's not going to hit thirty home runs a year, but he'll he'll, he'll hit three hundred or but someone like that. But he's got to like, stay on the field. Yeah, someone I don't know, and I don't have the free agent list in front of me, but maybe the answer is to bring in a middle of the order bat who can who can split first base and DH with Mountcastle, and then you also bring in a corner outfielder as well, mm-hmm. um, like the Astros did several years ago with Brantley, um, or Josh Reddick. He's another one that they did. Those sure. are like three-year deals. Those weren't like overly long deals. And that's another thing that the Astros did. They never signed a free agent to an overly long deal. Mm-hmm. They always gave themselves outs. Uh, with those deals that they didn't so they didn't lock themselves into like a seven or eight year deal uh, and the big splashes that they made really came via trade mm-hmm. Garrett Cole Zach Greinke Justin Verlander right those are the big splashes that they made I th- were those all I think two of those were in season one of those were was off season Cole I think was the off season yeah. uh, those were the big splashes that they made so I, I sort of anticipate a similar deal here where I'll, maybe their big bit their first huge splash comes at the trade deadline next year where they really uh go get that top of the rotation starter that that's available that comes available i don't know who's going to be, what top of the rotation guy is going to be available this offseason but those guys tend to become more available at the deadline as teams drop out of the race and things like that like a luis castillo this year mm-hmm so that's sort of what I anticipate uh, happening to some degree. Uh, and I agree with you that I think Cedric is probably safe. Uh, I don't feel the same way about Austin Hayes. Right. I don't think any of us do. Uh, I don't know if they would outright out-tender, non-tender him. But I think that they've probably been looking for ways to move on from him via trade, maybe. So... Um, anyway, can, can you envision Austin Hayes being a fourth outfielder? Is that some, I, I, I I mean, if he's under team control, he kind of has to be. If he's okay going to make, it. yeah, if he's going to make four million in arbitration, I don't know if they're going to want to pay that for a sure. fourth outfielder, especially like down the stretch, last three months of the season, like McKenna's production was indistinguishable, and he was actually hitting lefties better than Hayes. Mm-hmm. And if he's going to be a fourth outfielder, Hayes, that is. Like his job is going to be to hit left-handed pitching, and he wasn't doing that down the stretch. 
wasn't that, anybody down the stretch. Yeah, it wasn't. And, and it's like that was one of the issues that they had against left-handed pitching down the stretch. Like the guys that they expected to mash left-handed pitching, like Ryan Mountcastle and Austin Hayes, they weren't doing it. And if you're going to carry Austin Hayes and he's not going to hit left-handed pitching, like I'm not, I'm not sure why you're carrying him. So, um, you know, that's sort of how I I feel about that. Now, I'm interested hear what you say we were talking about corner guys do you think they give Kyle Stowers an extended look in one of those corners I think play against lefties and righties I think they would be stupid not to um Kyle and Paul and I have talked about this on our podcast a bunch um Stowers not getting opportunities against lefties until that one game I, it might have been the final series of the season mm-hmm. it, it was and he hit the, he hit the home he, run which yeah. was like sweet music to my ears he gets his first plate appearance against the lefty since the first game of his major league career which came in the toronto series when he was called up as a replacement for santander that was his only plate appearance against the lefty uh and he was hit by a pitch it was the ninth inning of an 11 to 1 loss so it was an they were was, scared it was a plate appearance that didn't matter <laughs> right this is a guy who has reverse splits in the minors had an OPS between 900 and 1,000 against lefties each of the last two seasons in the minors, better than his numbers against righties, and simply was not getting an opportunity. Yeah, and it so made no sense to me. If, for me, I was talking about this with Paul. There are no, in terms of hitters, I, I, I'm convinced there are no true talent reverse split hitters in the major leagues. Like, I just, and, and that's what they told you with how they were using him. Um, that they didn't think that he was actually like a reverse split hitter in the major leagues, and that's a, uh, that's a fair argument. But that you look at to uh, not give him the opportunity. Yeah, I know. Point. I no, I would have see. Well, the Orioles kind of, for me, the Orioles kind of told you what they might have thought about Stowers when they traded Trey, and they did not bring him up right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which tells me like they traded for Brett Phillips. Yeah. And still mind boggling to me. And they held off on calling up Stowers for three weeks when. Stowers had been in AAA at that point for like a full calendar year, and he was as ready as he was going to be. And that tells me that maybe they're lower on Stowers than the rest of us, mm-hmm. and that maybe they're not trying to overexpose him, and that maybe he might be dealt this offseason. And so that's that, So when stuff like that happens, you, you try to read between the lines, so to speak, about how they feel about certain players. Like when Gunnar Henderson came up, he played every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lefties, righties, they clearly see him as – a massive part of their future. Like Kyle Stowers was like 24, 25 years old. Like, and he's not, and it didn't seem to me that they were like overly eager to get him in the lineup when they had a clear opening. Once Trey was gone, like I thought that that would be one of the reasons why you would trade Trey so that you could call up Kyle Stowers Mm -hmm. and let him play every day. That's not what happened. But this is also a guy who was, he was the third pick taken by Mike Elias Mm -hmm. when he came to Baltimore. He shared last season's minor league player of the year award with Adley Rutschman. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the knock on him in AAA was he needs to cut back on his strikeouts. Well, he did that. And then they traded Trey Mancini, and they still didn't bring him up. They acquired Brett Phillips, which still to this day, an absolutely mind-boggling move. Um, I, I, I Honestly, I hadn't considered that they might be trying to move him. I, I hope that's not the case personally. I would like to see him get an opportunity, um, and I, I think he should get that opportunity. But you know, if they're going to bring in a, a corner outfielder and they're going to keep a guy like Santander around, maybe Stowers is expendable. Maybe he's for a guy arm. who gets yep. moved for yeah for a top of the line rotation. You package him with with a Jordan Westberg and get a legitimate ace. 
I, I could see something. Yeah, like I mean, that. I I've, I saw a lot of Stowers at Aberdeen, and he's pretty much the same player as he was then. Big time power. It's a significant. It's a clear, significant upper, uppercut. Yeah. And he swings really, really hard. And mm-hmm. the problem that I've always had with Kyle is that he has no two-strike approach. He swings at everything like it's a 3-1 fastball. Yeah, you and, said that to me. And and I just wonder how that's going to play. Um, and so I just I, I just wonder how just how high they are on Kyle. Just now throwing that out there. The original point was, and, and this is why this is why we're here, right, for the roundtable mm-hmm. to to go off on these tangents, right? You mentioned to me, and I I had talked about this for a few weeks until before I saw you, Jose Abreu mm-hmm. seems like he would be the perfect guy for the Orioles to bring in. He the power was down this year, right? But he was still a productive hitter, still hit over three hundred. He's a former MVP. If you look at his at his numbers throughout his career, he's consistently hitting three hundred. 30 home runs, 100 RBIs. And he's a guy that gets on base, doesn't strike out a ton. He can play first base in the pinch if you need him to. Um, but you must, and he played, he's one of seven uh, first basemen in the American League this year to play over 1,000 innings at first base. So it's not even in a pinch. He can play first base, mm-hmm. despite the errors that we saw about, from him um, against the Orioles. Is this the guy who the Orioles make that, that that's the big signing, Jose Abreu, Two three years at twenty mil per, and you put him at the four slot, and he elongates your lineup. So yeah, I mentioned Jose to you uh, because again, I look back at what these guys did in Houston, and one of their big and they were a big tenant of Astro Ball is, and you saw this this year a little bit, is finding the right veterans for your clubhouse. That's a big part of Astro Ball, uh, and ironically. The, the right veteran for Houston at the time was uh, Carlos Beltran, mm-hmm. who ended up being like the ringleader of the, uh, the uh, trash <laughs> can. So it's funny how that, how that evolved. But they are very big. And, again, you saw it this year in, with the veterans that they, that they brought in who they credited with helping turn around the culture of their clubhouse. And they're very big on that. And they've very carefully cultivated uh, the culture that they want in their clubhouse because what they took over was kind of a mess. And and a lot of things needed to be rebuilt in the uh, organization. Cl- the clubhouse was, I think, one of them. Uh, and they've done a nice nice job with that. I just think that, like, Jose Abreu, based on what these guys did in Houston, would kind of fit, uh, kind of check a lot of those boxes about the kind of veteran that they like that the professional that they would want. And he's a guy who I think would be an unbelievable influence on Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah. An unbelievable influence on the Latin guys and the younger uh, Latin guys in the clubhouse as well. Just like, I, I think he would be, I, I would think he'd be a great fit in that regard. You mentioned that the power is down. Um, he would not be coming to a friendly park for right-handed hitters. Sure. And maybe he's just not interested in that. And, uh, you know that could, that could be the case. It could also be the case that uh, the White Sox don't want to lose him, and they pay him two years, thirty million dollars, and that's that. So, and there are some other corner guys that we we talked about. Jack Peterson mm-hmm. being one of them. I know you're a little lower on him than seemingly a lot of Orioles fans on Twitter who yeah. are very high on Jack Peterson. Um, I don't get that either personally. Okay, I'm not a big Jack guy. And so I don't know. Is there anybody? Yeah, we know that about you. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> damn. All right. Boom. Got him. 
<laughs> Got him. We we wrapping this up soon? <laughs> uh, that was good. That was good. It, or, do you have anyone on your list that you like? I do. Um, Abreu, is, I think, is a great option. Uh, whether or not he ends up actually hitting free agency and not coming back to the White Sox on a smaller deal, I think, is yet to be determined. Um, my guy has a, a similar profile, um, a little more power, a little less average. Um, Josh Bell. Uh, he's okay. a guy in the postseason right now. He fits that first base DH mold. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not great defensively. He used to play a little corner outfield, but you, you probably don't want him out there. Uh, but I, I look at Josh Bell, his... Since since being traded to the Padres, he's been in the worst slump of his career. He's mm-hmm. always been a streaky hitter. Um, however, you look at his his batted ball profile; it's still very good. And you look at what he's done since going to San Diego. He's he started the season in D.C. Uh, on pace for by far the best season in his career. Mm-hmm. Came to San Diego, massive slump. Despite this terrible slump he's gone through, his on base percentage with San Diego is three sixteen. That's despite a one ninety two batting average. This is a guy who, even when he's not hitting the ball, he's going to get on base. Now, I look at... Not a big strikeout guy either. No, not a big strikeout guy. Career 351 on base. Um, that's 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 very good. Now, I look at what the Orioles did in the on-base percentage department this season. Uh, Adley Rutschman, 362. Trey Mancini, 347. He's gone. Gunnar Henderson, 348 in a small sample size. Vavra, 340. Uh, after that, Cedric Mullins and Anthony Santander were both 318. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Bell would be right behind them with his 316, which is the worst portion of his career. Uh, I still think he's got a lot of good baseball in him. When he's on, he's one of the scariest hitters in the game. Uh, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. Big switch hitting power hitter. Uh, I think he profiles well at Camden Yards. Uh, he's a guy I think they could get, and especially after this extended slump in San Diego, I think his price tag has come down a little bit. Uh, I, I see him as a good fit personally and a good guy to spell. You know it would be as. interesting? If they had three switch hitters in the middle of their lineup with Adley, Santander, and Bell, that would make them very difficult to pitch to uh, late in the game for managers to match up against. Unless all of them are like having like the same splits in one year. Um, like I know Santander uh, was strong from both sides of the plate this year. Yeah. Adley was obviously much stronger from the left side this year, but he's never been a huge splits guy, so I think that's probably randomness. And so I don't know about Bell. I don't know what side he's typically stronger from. I'm but. pulling that up now. So um, you imagine it would be the left side. I mean, he he. Or, I, I don't know though. He hits the most from the left side because he's right, a, right, you know, you, right. So you understand that. But Anthony Santander hit at one point late in the year. He was hitting 298 right-handed, right handed. Right. And that was one of the things that one of the many things he improved on this year. The swing decisions got a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the approach got a lot better was healthy for the entire year there was like stories about like he improved his diet improved his body and all that good he stuff. looked like he was absolutely cut off i still I, I i still think that he might be an, an ascending hitter and so i know he's get climbing the arbitration ladder at this point mm-hmm. i know mlb trade rumors had santander at seven and a half um so but i i suspect that they'll bring him back because i think that you know the indicators for Santander. He's still only 27, 28 years old. The indicators for me say that he's still an ascending hitter. He's still a hitter that could get better. Switch hitter with power from both sides of the plate. Hard my, to find. My, Hard my, to find. My, my only issue with him is that he walked. He walked more this year, but the walks were really down the second half. Yep. And he ended the year batting two forty. And this is a guy that they bat consistently in the middle of their lineup. He hit I, third I, every day. Yeah, he hit third every day batting, and he, and he finished the year batting two forty. If he's gonna, I'd rather see him right around two sixty yeah. and bat him sixth. 
I was just about to say that that on a better team, like if you're a team that's going to win 95 games, you want him batting like sixth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and when you when you talk about it, Josh Bell is a is a guy who I've thought about a lot too, um, and he's younger. He's he's yeah. 30 years old. He's a switch hitter, power from both sides. That's a guy you could put in the middle of your lineup. And what what I'm concerned about the most, and why I think that they really need a legitimate middle of the order bat, is because you know that the top of your order next year is probably going to be. Mullins, Rutschman, Henderson to start, mm-hmm. right? And then your cleanup hitter, it can't be Mountcastle and it can't be Santander. It's got to be that guy, that right. guy that you bring in because then you bat Mountcastle fifth and it's, do you want to do you want to pitch to Gunner? Do you want to pitch to whoever the four hitter is? Do you want to pitch to Mountcastle and then you have Santander protecting him? Mountcastle's peripherals were off the charts this year. His uh, weighted, his, his expected WOBA, his expected batting average, his hard hit rate, his barrel rate. Had a his, bad luck year. He had a really, uh, yeah. these were all elite. And his numbers suggest he should have had a better season this year than he did in his rookie his rookie of the year campaign. Um, didn't win it, obviously, but he, he was up there. Yeah. Um, suggests he should have had a better year and he had a worse year statistically. I think you bring in that one guy in the middle of the order and Mountcastle takes off next year. I agree. I think Mountcastle is going to have a big year next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was actually, I'm jealous of your take um, because that was one that I had stored, but then you just, then you, <laughs> you, you said it anyway. So, um, so I, I, you look, aside from the approach and the approach is not great. We, that's been discussed ad nauseum. Other than that, he does every single thing that you want a hitter to do in terms of hitting the ball hard. Mm-hmm. And this year, for whatever reason, and the wall, the dimensions changing, that had something to do with it. Uh, but he he should have had a better year. And I think that next year, he has a big year. Yeah. Ryan? I, yeah, I agree. Um, you, you look at the batted ball profile for him, kind of like I said with Josh Bell, despite the struggles, uh, still really good peripheral numbers. And... Mountcastle's 25. He, I think he's only going to continue to get better, and he's going to stay in the lineup too. As long he's playing, I don't want to say I don't want to say stellar, but yeah, yeah. He's he's turned himself into a very nice first baseman. If if you look at the at the numbers, and I mentioned those seven guys. Not to interrupt you, I I mentioned those seven guys that played over a thousand innings at first base in the American League this year. He was the best rated defender out of all of them. Yeah, the best rated defender out of all of them. So that that gloves playing the bat we know can play now. First, defensive metrics hate first baseman. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty well documented. If you look at Ryan Mountcastle's defensive metrics in a vacuum, it's not going to look great. But if you look at it compared to the other first baseman, it it he's one of the best easily. Yeah, and he's proven me wrong because I thought that he was a guy that with his defensive skill set, he wasn't going to be good anywhere. Oh, me too. Because yeah. he's got kind of heavy feet. He's got not great hands. Uh but he's really improved at first base since last year. Really, and last year, his bat really took off when they just gave him first base, when they stopped messing around with left field. That Funny, the first thing that I thought of when the fences went back, I was like, I guess that's it for the Ryan Malcastle left field experiment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, but long story short, I expect Ryan to have a, a better year, and he should have had a better year this year. It's just tough luck, and and there are 29 other teams who would love to take a shot on on Ryan Mountcastle and try to improve that that uh, that approach and that pitch ID stuff and swing decisions and all that good stuff because uh, when he connects with the ball, there's nobody on the team that's better. 
He hit 250 this year. His expected batting average was 277. His expected on base percentage was like 356. Yeah. Uh, he just hit into some crazy bad luck, and those things tend to turn. Yeah. Those, those things tend to turn. For usually and, and happens in season, but sometimes 162 turn. games isn't enough. Sometimes yeah. 162 games is a small sample in baseball. As as strange as it sounds, sometimes it takes multiple seasons. Absolutely. Now, um, AK McCurgy, uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He comments on the show every week. Um, he said. He offered up a trade: Stowers, Diaz. I don't think Diaz is getting you anything, but Stowers, <laughs> Diaz, Vavra, and Hayes okay. for Giolito. Stan has brought up Giolito's name to me. He has to me also. Uh, as kind of like a a buy low opportunity, I would have to look more into Giolito. He had a down year this year. Um, now, in terms of Diaz, I still kind of like his physical tools, but at this point. It's been like four years since he was like any sort of top prospect. Yeah, and you can't and say I, I, And yeah, and honestly, I would be surprised if he survived the winner on the forty man. Like, he just seems like a guy who kind of his his time has come mm-hmm. in that regard. But he still got some physical tools. Um, and then the other guys that, that you mentioned, Vavra, Vavra, and, and Hayes for Giolito. I think you're gonna have to throw in a pitcher there if you're gonna if you're gonna get Giolito. Yeah. Um, and I don't know who that pitcher would be. It would have it would come down to like who their metrics like, mm-hmm. like their proprietary metrics like in the Orioles organization. Um, but I, I wouldn't hate Giolito as like a buy low opportunity, and you start him as like your n- number four starter uh, because he's he was like really good in twenty one, right? Yeah, really good. He was my pick to win the Cy Young in twenty in twenty twenty one. But you know, the Chicago probably looks at him as a buy low for themselves too. That right. you know if he bounces back and you know, if they don't have a great year next year they could flip him at the deadline. They're, so I mean they got they're gonna it's have just new, hard to execute trades. They're gonna have a new manager coming in. They're gonna have a healthy lineup. They 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 suppose that they're gonna have a, a healthy lineup next year. They were really beat up this year. Maybe Giolito is a guy who they think can turn it around if they bring in the right manager, the right player development type See what of Liam Hendricks was saying after the season? He was like, uh, he basically said that they need more of a hard ass as the manager, mm-hmm. and he was like, the, the the quality of our and they've they had some defensive issues this year, yeah. which we saw in the series here in Baltimore. And he said that their defense was so bad that it changed the way he pitched in the ninth inning because he would try to strike guys out more than he should, mm-hmm. rather than just letting his stuff play and whatever happens happens. So that was interesting. Uh, AJ also said uh, he is no dumb jock. Love jock talking about Jock Peterson. Who cares what Mister Host says? Taking a Taking a little stab at me. <laughs> um, and then finally, I do want to talk a little bit about um, backup. Well, first off, and we'll do this real quick. The main guys, Turner, Correa, uh, Swanson, Bogarts, mm-hmm. Rodon, Judge, are the Orioles players for any of those guys? Do you think they explore any of them? I uh, – I – I think I think, that, I, I, think I think they pick up the phone. I but. think they do their due diligence. Uh, whether or not they they open up the wallet for one of the real big name free agents, I don't know. Um, we we talked about it before. We don't know what liftoff looks like. Yep. Uh, yet. So, do, uh, I have Carlos Rodon high on my wish list. I, I don't know how attainable that is. So uh, yeah, I think he's going to get more than Gossman got, and I think he's going to get more than Ray got. He and so the nationally uh, yeah. strikeouts. Yeah, so I, yeah. and the, both those guys got like five hundred fifteen, hundred twenty in that in that range. I think he's going to get more than that. And, I, I think so too. Um, of if there's any of those guys, for me, still Carlos Correa. I think Mike will be. I, 
I think Mike will check in on him. I think yeah. Mike will see what that the price on on Correa is. Oh, that's his guy. Especially that's, if Correa is willing to play second base, which he has said he would do. Um, I think that's a great fit. Yeah, I, I mean, I I would maybe second base as he ages. Like I would think that you would bring him in to play shortstop, and then you have Gunner at third. Yeah, uh, yeah and and so like, and you think about it. You look at a lot of these contenders that are still alive how many of them don't get anything offensively out of catcher don't get anything out offensively out of shortstop like think of the advantage the Orioles could have if they had Rushman behind the plate and Correa at short that would be mm-hmm. an incredible advantage yeah. uh, oh, against a lot of teams so that's for me that's something that you have to explore yeah I, I, I do think that Elias doing his job picks up the phone on all those guys yep I, I, I he checks in on all of them he wouldn't be doing his job if he didn't Right. Um, that said, again, like like we've all said, we don't know what liftoff looks like. Yeah. I, I, I did say he's checked every box he said he was going to check. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's going to do something big. Yep. This offseason. I don't know what I don't know what big looks like in terms of is it is big Correa or Judge or is big Josh Bell or Jose Abreu. Yeah. Mike has done what he was hired to do. Yeah. At this point, he is absolutely he is um, uh, slash the major league payroll while rebuilding the organization from top to bottom and putting them in a situation where they could uh, be successful for uh, years to come uh, this decade. So he's done what he was hired to do, uh, and now we get to see what liftoff looks like. Yeah. And so I'm really looking forward to, to that and seeing which guys on the roster right now they really believe in because the answer might surprise us. Colton Kalzer got He mashed at double A mm-hmm. this year, gets to triple A, Started off slow, struggle came on towards mm-hmm. the end there. How big a plan? How big is he a part of the plan next year? And how early is he a part of the plan next year? I saw a lot of Kowser at Aberdeen. I probably saw him like seven, eight, nine times. Mm-hmm. Um, he struggled a little bit, uh, particularly early in his time at at Aberdeen with picking up breaking balls. Mm-hmm. And a wise man once said, "Don't." Don't panic if a 22-year-old struggles to pick up breaking balls in the minor leagues. Like, it's it'll happen. It'll it, it, so, uh, but it was just a little surprising in that you know when he was drafted, he was drafted as a guy with like a really polished hit tool, mm-hmm. um, and it didn't necessarily look like that at Aberdeen. Aberdeen is also a place that is very difficult to hit in, um, and Bowie is not. Bowie is a hitter-friendly park, uh, and you saw that with Norby as well. Uh, so with Kowser, I would imagine that, see, if they hold on to Stowers, if they don't move him, maybe they give Stowers a trial in left field, and if it doesn't work out, they can bring up Kowser midway through the season to yeah. play left field, maybe. Uh, and I would be interested to, to know if internally they think of Kowser as their center fielder of the future. Which makes me wonder, and I've been thinking, I've been saying this for a while now because of his arm. I think Cedric Mullins has to move to left field, and point. the bat doesn't play in left right. for me. I, right. Like I, so Cedric is going to make four and a half in arbitration this year, something like that, according to MLB trade rumors. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I don't th- see them getting into the weeds of arbitration with Cedric after that. No, I. You think his days are numbered? Y- yes, ish. Yes, uh, ish. Yes, ish. <laughs> in the in the sense that I think he's here next year. I think that over the next two years, the only guys who are safe are Henderson and Rutschman. That's it. Yeah. Those are, to me, they're only two untouchables in the entire organization. It's those two. I kind of look at it the same. Because even, even Gra- Grayson Rodriguez? He's a pitcher. Yeah. And so, like, and I'm not, he's not, he's not going to move. But 
if like Shohei Otani was on the table and he was uh, this offseason in a trade and he was willing to talk about an extension, I would tell Grayson Rodriguez to have fun in Southern California. You know what <laughs> I mean? That's what I mean. Like, so, uh, <laughs> um, for me, there's only two untouchables in the entire organization. And that's fair. The two number one overall prospects yeah. of, the, of the last year. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Man, this was fun. And, and I it's, had fun it's, too. It's almost twelve thirty. We, Do we never have time to get into pitching or um, too much. I have uh, I have one uh, bullpen name I wanted to throw out. There. Oh, bullpen name. Yeah, we're getting into the weeds here. Because uh, you you talked about you you want another guy or two in the bullpen. Who you I do. Confident in. I do. I'm o- I'm only confident in Bautista. Uh, when I say confident, confident that they'll be back, and that's Bautista. CNL Perez and Brian Baker. I'm not positive. Baker that, was their best reliever from September one on. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm not positive that even Dylan Tate is back. I think he could be a trade candidate. This he's in arbitration season. now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my name is. Uh, he's in the playoffs right now. You can go out and watch. Evan him. Phillips a lot. <laughs> I want that. him back. He texted me about Evan Phillips <laughs> last night. His numbers are stupid. It's what? Yeah, it's how does that happen? <laughs> he's like he's like the third or fourth best reliever in baseball by F war. He it's, grew up as an Orioles fan. Yeah, that was I, a great get by Dan in those trades. Like he had like Dean Kramer was a good get, Evan Phillips was a great get, and then Dylan Tate was a good get. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, anyway, continue. Uh, so I, we we don't have to get into a discussion about relief pitching. You you, you can look up the numbers yourselves, but uh, Rafael Montero is, okay. is a, a guy I have my eye on. Um, look at his Savant page; it's a ton of red. Uh, doesn't give up a lot of hard contact at all. Strikes out enough guys to uh, to be a dominant reliever. It pitched to a 2.37 ERA this year. Uh, I I don't have his his baseball reference page in front of me, but I believe his FIP was even lower than that. Uh, expected ERA 2.70. So um, yeah, 2.64 FIP. Okay, all right. I mean that'll play. That that's a that's a really good bullpen arm. Um, go out and watch him pitch for the Astros. Four seam sinker combination. Two two distinctly different moving fastballs. Got a change up and a slider that he mixes in a reasonable amount as well. Um, it's hard to find a, a good four-pitch reliever. Uh, I think Rafael Montero could be the guy, and I'm comfortable signing him and throwing him in the eighth inning immediately. I got a little bit of time. You guys got, got a little bit of time? Why not? Sure. All right. uh, we don't have to stay too, too long, but I do want to talk about the pitching because you just reminded me of some stuff that I have in the notes. and that's. Well, let me get my phone real quick. I'll All be right. right back. He's going to grab his phone real quick, but it's um, D.L. Hall. You know what? While he's doing that, Let's take our break. Sure. Let's take our break because um, we got to come back. Do take the rake. I got one more read to do. Uh, when we come back, we'll finish Orioles banter. We'll do take the rake and then try and get out of here in a reasonable manner. Zach will be losing his mind right now to, to know that we had one more break and another segment to do, and it's 1230. Are we calling him for take the rake? No. No, he's in the middle of a golf tournament, and oh, right. he's been taking golf very seriously, so I want to give him the opportunity to uh, not have to be bothered with that. So we're going to catch our final break here. Uh, when we come back... Uh, finish up Orioles banter, take the rake, and then we'll get on out of here. That next on the Better Round. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Two. 
You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer's sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler all of these meals pair well with oktoberfest beers and angry orchard on draft dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites take home glory days grill great food good sports that first sip that first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. And we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily cover of demos, ravens, and terps at pressboxonline.com. See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities, including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at maryland5star.us. All right, welcome back to the bat around, the extended version of the bat around, because we get talking baseball and we just love it so much that it just kind of 
it kind of just takes off. Today's show brought to you by the uh, the former show of this music, Glenn Clark Radio. Press Box Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or... Listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You have no excuse to not listen or to or watch the show with all the ways to get it. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Ravens offensive lineman Kevin Zeitler, CBS analyst Charles Davis before he calls Ravens Giants, longtime ESPN personality Trey Wingo, and more. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Uh, Orioles banter continues here as we talk about the Orioles' future pitching prospects as far as what they're going to have in their starting rotation next year, what they're going to have in their bullpen. Um, For me, I look at their rotation for next year, and I think that Kramer, Bradish, and Grayson Rodriguez are the guys who have locked down a spot. Uh, I think that they okay. want to stretch out Tyler Wells and D.L. Hall and give them an opportunity yep. at the rotation. Uh, I do think that they're going to pick up the option on Jordan, Jordan Lyles. You do? Okay. Uh, because it's $11 million. He gave you 180 innings. He, he had a better year this year than he did last year. And it's a reasonable price for someone who does what he does, considering that Morton signed for $20 million next right. year. Like, veteran starting pitching is very expensive. What yeah. what he's going to get in the open market is going to be more than what you're going to pay him next and, year. And I think they will pick it up if they think they can move it at some point. Like, yeah. if they get into spring training and, they've, uh, and they're uncomfortable with the amount of starters that they have for some reason, and if, do they think they can move that con- the one year, $11 million. And really, it's a it's a $1 million buyout on it, so it's a $10 million decision. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you also have, before you even get to, to, to those guys, you have means coming back probably by the beginning to middle of June. Yeah. Um, I could see them holding him back till after the All-Star break. Yeah, it seems like uh, for most guys, it's a 12 to 15 month process, and guys are better off if it's more toward the 15 month mm-hmm. mark. So. It, it, and the reports suggest he has been ahead of schedule, right? But yeah. I, I still, the Orioles have slow played a lot of things. Just look at what happened with they Adley take care of their Gunner. arms, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and with Grayson and DL, DL Hall. I think that they're gonna they'd be wise to hold him, yep, till probably after the All Star break, and then he can kind of be a deadline acquisition, like what you right. talked about, right? Um, then you have both. You have mm-hmm. Spencer Watkins. Mm-hmm. And Michael Ballman held his own, was serviceable down the stretch there. I think yep. those guys might end up... Watkins, I think that he's he's a DFA candidate. Um, but I think both and Ballman could end up being swing guys in your bullpen. Ballman maybe a back-end type of guy that they've talked about in the past as far as he goes. What does your rotation look like next year? And we're assuming they're going to bring in somebody, whether yep. free agency or trade, for that rotation as well. Uh, I think that they believe in Tyler Wells as a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's clear that they do. Uh, so I think they'll give him every opportunity to win a rotation spot. Uh, and so for me, I think Kyle Bradish was about 110, 115 innings this year. Sure. Kramer, because he got hurt early in the year, was at about 125 innings. Yeah, he's right then, where he was. Yeah, and then Wells, I think, was around 110, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. I don't have a computer right in front of me. It's go time for those guys. Yeah. If and like they're and they're at the age where they're like 26, 27, 28 years old. It's go time for those guys to show that they can pitch 160 to 180 innings in a major league season and stay healthy from start to finish. It's go time. And so it's a big year next year for those three guys to show that they can do that. Uh, and based on what Mike Elias has said multiple times on the record. 
Grayson Rodriguez is going to be in this rotation as well. Absolutely. So I think those four guys. I, I'm not. I'm fifty fifty on whether they uh, pick up the option on Lyles. Probably more kind of if if I'm leaning anyway, it's not picking up the uh, they don't pick it up. But I understand what you're thinking as well that uh, that you could pick it up now and you can move it you know, later on if you want if you wanted to. So I think, but for me right now, I think their opening day rotation will be the three guys that I mentioned, uh, Grayson, and then uh, so their opening day starter will be who's someone who's not in the organization right now. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Um, I, I'm also kind of 50-50 on Lyles. I think I lean more toward pick it up. Okay. Uh, I don't think you can have too much starting pitching, uh, and especially if it is a contract they think they could move. I, I don't see much of a risk there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was your big innings guy this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kramer was at 125. You're right about that. Bradish, 117. Uh, Wells, 103. So mm-hmm. so not far off there. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I agree that they view Wells as a starter. Uh, he mm-hmm. was a starter in his entire minor league career before being taken in the Rule 5 draft, and a lot of Rule 5 guys spend their first year in the bullpen anyway before mm-hmm. returning to a starting role. So I think Wells will be given every opportunity. Austin Voth pitched his way into consideration. Um, I see him more of a swingman. What do you think? I, I, I Realistically, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did pitch very well after coming over here. And if they think they found something there, I, I think they'll give him an opportunity to win a rotation spot. Um, I tell you I, what, I his curveball is the best pitch on the staff other than whatever Felix is throwing. <laughs> he's it's, he's got, he, I mean, his, uh, his curveball is like amazing. But it's, anyway. really, it's really, really good. Um, I, I, I do think he is best served as a swingman, but <laughs> based on how he pitched since he came here, I think he'll be at least given an opportunity. Whether or not he cracks the opening day rotation, I'm not sure, especially if they do pick up that option on Lyles mm-hmm. and they bring in a, a free agent, which I think they will do. So, um, yeah, maybe better served as, as a swingman kind of guy. Same with Bauman. Um, he he showed me a lot of potential this year. Um, he, he's he, I, I, I'm kind of hoping he follows a similar trajectory to what Bradish and Kramer did, where it was, you know, mm-hmm. he's got good stuff. Uh, but he needs to hone in on the command and learn how to really attack hitters. I was a little confused about how they handled Bauman this year because I know why they sent him down in the first place. Like he cracked the opening day roster, but then he really struggled to throw strikes, and so yeah. they sent him down to Norfolk. And then after that, he was kind of buried down there. And like I thought, he was a better arm than a lot of the guys they had in the bull, the the uh, like spots seven and eight in the bullpen throughout the year like yeah. he's better armed than like Bo Solcer he's a better arm than uh Jake Reed he's a better arm than oh who's the other guy that they just uh they just Lewis cut. Head he's better armed than Lewis Head like yeah. and so and they had him in like the the bullpen in Norfolk and then they moved him into the rotation in Norfolk and then they brought him up and then he finished the year in the rotation in Baltimore so yeah. I don't know what their plan is for him for me you know he's a better arm than a lot of the guys that had them bullpen this year uh, no, I agree. And I, I sent out a tweet the other day where I, I said, you know, it was kind of a bold prediction for 2023 that, that Bauman is next year's Kramer slash Bradish. Um, Bauman, I don't think necessarily has the same stuff as those two guys. He's more of a fastball slider type. He needs to work on uh, his secondary pitches a little bit more. Um, but someone who responded to, to that tweet was Ryan Ripken. And okay. um, he said that, you know, and, and who would know this better than a former teammate who I'm sure he stays in communication with, that uh, this year was really tough on him. You know, mm-hmm. moving up and down, back and forth, uh, never had a defined role. And it's it's been that way for him the last couple of seasons. And uh, that's not easy on a pitcher. Right. We, we saw it with, with Kevin Gosman, who right. uh, was on the Norfolk shuttle for, it seemed like, two years. Um, and then, you know, was able to settle into a, a spot. He, he pitched well for the Orioles in, in the playoff run and then, you know, ended up going elsewhere. And now that he's found 
a regular routine as a starter, he's turned himself into a damn good pitcher. Um, is Bauman capable of that? I don't know. Uh, but I, I'd like to see him get a shot. Uh, with that being said, I, I think he fits well in the bullpen if they don't go out and sign a, a Rafael Montero type. I think Bauman is, mm-hmm. is an upgrade over the, those three guys you mentioned who were DFA'd. Uh, I, I think there's a role for him on this team. I don't feel the same about Bruce Zimmerman. Um, he's a he's name a that's D- kinda, he, he, for me. He's a DFA. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. He's a name that has been kind of forgotten about. It seems um, supposed to kind of step in when John Means got hurt, and he was so he bad. Did he did for sent five to, starts, and then yeah, and then and then he was he pitched so badly that he got sent down to Norfolk, uh, where he pretty much spent the rest of the year. Yeah, he um he he was not good. I think there was a point where he gave up like seventeen home runs in his in five starts. Yeah, it, it was, was it was in like it was in like fourteen innings. He gave up seventeen homers. And yeah, the stuff's like just that. not. It's not good. Enough. He, he yeah. doesn't have a big league fastball. He doesn't have any any out pitches. Decent changeup, but that's. I always like this. Cur- I always liked this curveball, but it was really the. They only didn't pitch. throw enough. I didn't. Yeah, think. yeah. Like, yeah. I, I felt like he never threw that enough, but like they've maxed out his velocity. Yeah. Like I, I just you know I, I think that we've seen probably the last of him. Yeah, I think we've probably seen the last of Spencer Watkins too. Although if they bring him in, they then they have nine nine rotation options in spring training plus whoever they bring yeah, in. Yeah, I think I think Watkins will, will be I think he's got options too. And yeah, he's, he's a nice options. guy to have you know to have in Norfolk who can uh, come up and give you a competitive start. He's got he's one of those guys who's got a good spin rate on his fastball and whatever, but um and Heck, he cut his ERA in half this year. Yeah. So um, I, I I suspect that he'll remain on the roster. I don't know why he wouldn't. Well, he, he was he was DFA'd last year in the offseason oh, right, right, to, right. To, to make room. Um, if they DFA him this year, he can become a free agent uh, if he so chooses. Um, and he'll have options. Yeah, and, yeah. He'll, and he'll have options. So that could be something they do for the betterment of him because they, they if he's if there's nine guys, he's probably guy number nine. For the rotation, it, it, realistically, yeah, um, number three starter for the Nationals. Yeah, there, there you go. There you go. Um, I think I could be a number three starter for the Nationals at this point. I'm, I'm probably pitching tomorrow. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's going to be very interesting. The Orioles are going to have more starting rotation candidates than I could ever remember them having in spring legitimate training. candidates, like, like legitimate yeah. starting rotation candidates, not like. Uh, Mike Wright, right? Like, <laughs> right. Oh, he's a rotation. Okay, Mike right. Wright, Tyler Wilson, Tyler that, Wilson. That was yeah. a ride. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, Wilson man. did have that one seven inning shutout against uh, against the Red Sox up in Boston. I remember that. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was uh, that was um, uh, at a time of need for the Orioles because uh, Kevin Gossman had gotten thrown out for hitting a guy with a curveball the night prior. Mm-hmm. And they burned through their bullpen to get through that game. And I they remember that. Called up Tyler Wells and he gave him this great start on like a moment's notice. Was that, remember. The, was that the Jordan Baker game? Yes. It was, was that because he threw out Ubaldo as well, right? Ubaldo um, had a no hitter in Toronto in the in the fourth inning, and then he hit a guy, and Baker threw I, him out. If I if I yeah, it might have been because I remember Jordan Baker is a good umpire. It's just that he was a young guy at the time, yeah, and he yeah. was like really overly enthusiastic, and but like he's a good umpire. He's a, he's in the playoffs right now. Yeah. It's going to be interesting with the free agents and the trades that they that they make. Hopefully, this offseason to bring in some more starters. They they could have legitimately double figures uh, as legitimate rotation candidates. So, going to be a fun offseason for sure. This was absolutely uh, a blast today. Uh, AJ said, "Great having Luke on the panel today." I agree. I think we should do this more often throughout the absolutely. season. Absolutely. Uh, maybe just do a show where we just do this for Absolutely. two hours because that's that's so yeah. much fun and um and he also said oh and mr host is not paul it's zach's sub in um i so. did say i was not a jock guy yeah I, he just, he doesn't do it i said me. i wasn't a jock guy either though so you said you weren't a big jock guy and we all were like ah he's he's a, a streaky hitter who can't hit lefty he's a streaky platoon hitter 
I don't I don't see a ton of value there. And this year he was like a 270 hitter. He hit over 30 yeah. homers, drove in a bunch. Uh, he he had a he had if you're looking at kind of the archaic stats, he had, he had a good year. Yeah. He also doesn't walk. Doesn't he have like a 320 on base? Yeah, he he strikes out a lot and doesn't walk a ton. So does that, he not play against lefties? Is he just like unplayable against lefties? Is he one of those guys? That I don't know. I feel like his numbers would suggest that he played against everybody. But he did have a 353 on base this year, so I I did not realize that. So I, he walks a lot. I know that. Yeah. Okay. I, and the swing kind of fits Camden Yards. Yeah. yeah. It does. I mean, it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate it. I just he's not high on my priority list. Jock, Jock Peterson is one of those guys that you could see them bringing in because they really want to put an emphasis on left-handed batters in this stadium and, mm-hmm. and, and all their top prospects. I mean, Rutschman bats m- mainly from the left side because he's a switch hitter, and they mm-hmm. only f- they face a ton of righties. Uh, Jackson Holiday, Gunnar Henderson, Colton Kalzer. These are all left-handed batters. You know, mm-hmm. and so I think that this is. Drafted Kerstet too, left-handed yeah, hitter. Yeah, exactly. We always forget about we forget about Holiday because he just got drafted and he, right. only, and he only played it like. And that's and honestly, that's good for Holiday because the the hype and the expectations for Rutschman were just too much in my yeah. opinion, and he managed to exceed them, but they were unfair, totally yeah, unfair. That, that, and I think this is a lot more fair for Holiday that he's simply now part of the organization. Yeah, and the, the, like the weight of the world isn't on him, and that's yeah. Anyway. I mean, when you when but you Rutschman got, handled it because he handles everything. You, when, he really does. He is incredible in every. He's just an incredible ball player, an incredible human being. Now, we've got to move on to take the rake real quick before we get to the end of the show here. So the way we do it in the postseason is we each take two players. Um, you can do one from the – usually once we get to the DS, you can do one from the American League, one from the National League. But because we had the wild card round and the DS uh, in, interto- intertwined in the last week, uh, we could just take two players each. So Zach took um, Bryce Harper and Aaron Judge. So you had to take a player that played in the wild card um, for one of your picks and okay. a player that uh, is playing in the ALDS okay. for the other. He took Bryce Harper and Aaron Judge. So Harper went 8 for 18, two home runs, four RBIs, two walks. Judge 0 for 8, 7 Ks. I took Jordan Alvarez and George Springer. Okay. Alvarez, 4 for 8, two home runs, seven RBIs, one walk. George Springer, 2 for 7, 3 Ks. I think I win. Yep. I, I think I win. The, the similar numbers from um, Harper and Alvarez, but Alvarez did more damage with less at-bats. Were you watching the game one of the Astros series? Mm-hmm. Did you feel that home run coming? I, the, it's funny. I was at work. I was at work, and I saw him up, and it was 1-1. He was looming the entire inning. Yeah. And I, he was due up fifth, and you were like, you, if he get, you get to fifth in this, like, you're going to lose this game. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm watching it, and I, and I see him at the, at the plate. And it's one to one, it's a one one count. I think he had the home run on the one one pitch. Uh, so I think it was no one count because I, there was it, definitely at least I, one ball on it. Okay, there. because I remember the first pitch was a fastball and he was right on it. He fouled it off, mm-hmm. and he didn't go to a breaking ball. He went back to the fastball. Okay. Well, I'm looking at it and I'm like, and I see two guys. The one I see two outs. And I see it's Alvarez, and I'm like. Oh, he's gonna hit a he's gonna hit a walk off <laughs> homer. He, and and then I went and I had to take care of a table, and then I I got busy. I checked my phone later. On the very next pitch, as soon as I turned away and walked away, he hit the walk-off three-run homer. So I missed it live, but I saw it, and I was like, that happened literally right after I said, he's hitting the walk-off, <laughs> walked away, there it goes. So I won for take the rake. So what I, we're going to do here is, Luke, you're going to pick. Ryan, you're going to pick. Because I won, I picked I pick first. So you get we each pick two players. Now it's one player from the American League, okay. one player from the National League. What you have to do here is you have to be smart. You have to pick a player that you think is going to play beyond the wild card round. I mean beyond the, the division series. Yeah. Now if the so you'd be smart to take 
Bryce Harper, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're up two to one and he's hot now. But if they lose the next two games, then you don't have his bat production for the next week. Okay. Right. So, so think of it on those terms. So I'm looking at it, and I also, um, since you're filling in for Zach, you can't take Bryce Harper and you can't take Aaron Judge. That's fine. I can't take uh, Alvarez and I can't take well Springer's out. So and I, I I can't take Alvarez. Right. So, for my pick, my first pick is going to be. I don't want to take anybody from the Padres Dodgers series because I really don't know who's going to win that series. Hmm. I'll take Aaron Judge because I think the Yankees are going to win that series and I think that he's going to get hot. Mm-hmm. So I'll take Aaron Judge in the American League. In the National League... Oh, you get both picks. I thought I thought this was going to like snake or something. No, no, no. I got, All right, so you no. get your first... Okay, I got you. In, in, right. in, in the National League, I'm going to take... Those are both 2-1 series. You really don't know who's going to do what. Give me... Uh, mm. I'm doing it. I'm taking Freddie Freeman. I left him on the board. I think the Dodgers are going to come back. I'm taking Freddie Freeman. Okay. That was stupid. They're going to lose today. That was stupid. <laughs> but I've spoken. All right. Musgrove on the hill. San Diego boy. Pitching yeah. his team into the NLCS. Yeah, That'd I know. That'd be pretty cool. So uh, I can't believe picked- I just did that. <laughs> I'm so mad that I just did that. Hey, you locked it in. Uh, who who picks next, me or Luke? We're going to let Luke pick since he's the guest. Go for it. You're okay. both guests, but he's the guest guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned before in the show that Jose Altuve hasn't gotten hot yet, uh, so I'm going to go with Altuve. Okay. And I also mentioned that if this guy gets hot, then the Phillies can win the entire thing, and that's Kyle Schwarber. So I'm going with uh, Jose Altuve and Kyle Schwarber. I like those picks. I can't I was, believe I left Bryce Harper on the board. I'm so mad at myself. I was thinking about Altuve. Um, as as inclined as I am to take Bryce Harper, uh, my National League pick is going to go to uh, a Padre who uh, has not been super hot. Uh, he's a, a very good hitter, but uh, flew out to the warning track twice last night. I think he's going to find a groove. I think the Padres advance. I'm taking Juan Soto. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. The American League, I'm a little less sure of. Um, I, I was thinking Altuve for the Astros. I definitely want to take an Astros hitter. Um, Jordan's off the table. Altuve's off. Uh, I will take Alex Bregman. I don't really have any... Jordan's ra- not off the table. He's off the table for me. He's not off the table for you. Oh, all right. I'd go me. with Jordan. Yeah, give me Jordan. Sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know why I thought you had taken him. That's I right, told you I, him last I, week. Yeah, yeah, I okay. screwed myself. I told you to take <laughs> Alvarez, and I picked Freddie Freeman, who might not play after today. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. All right, sorry. It Soto, is what it is. Soto and Jordan. It I'm is what it that. is. Go Do- Damn it. Go Dodgers. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Great show. We usually close these shows in the fall um, to talking about the Ravens. Uh, we don't have to get too far into it. I think mm-hmm. you're going to have, have um, a little bit of trouble in the run game with Saquon. Uh, I think Wink knows how to defend Lamar better than anybody. I do think the Ravens are going to win, but I think it's going to be another Justin Tucker field goal at the end to win it. I'm taking the Ravens. I'm going to say Ravens 27, Giants 24. Okay. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to come down to a field goal. I think, I think the Ravens are the better team here. Um, it's, it's not going to be an easy win, but I think they will pull ahead and come out with it. Um, I, I I don't think uh, the I I think the the X factor for this game honestly is the Ravens letting J.K. Dobbins do his thing. 
Giants do not have a good run defense. I think the Ravens can exploit that. I think Lamar is going to have a good game. Uh, I've got the Ravens, and I'm going to go a little bold here. Scorigami. Okay. 36-23. That's never happened? Never happened. 36-23 has 36-23 never happened. 36-23 has How never is that happened. possible? I don't know. Wow. But it's never happened. 36-23. 36-23 Ravens on Sunday. You heard it here first. Uh, so the nerds have the Ravens as a top five team, despite the two losses. Um, They've trailed for like two minutes all season. Yeah, uh, and like 14 seconds in their losses. Yeah, um, yeah. So the nerds think that this is a really good football team. I think they show it uh, against the Giants. I th- the last I checked, the Ravens were a five-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Uh, that's a big number on the road. I think the Ravens cover it. Uh, and I'm trying to think of a – I don't have a score gami for you. I, I'll that's go it. Ravens 26, Giants – 18. 26-18. Ravens 5, Giants 2. Right? <laughs> two safeties. Um, one thing I will say about J.K. Dobbins, I think I think his workload is going to increase, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's this week because they're playing on that turf in the, in the Meadowlands. And everybody, uh, they have been numerous complaints from the Players Association about that turf. You saw Kyle Fuller and Jawan James suffer mm-hmm. season-ending injuries in the, on that in, in week one against the Jets. I think they're going to want to protect their, their players. As best they can while still playing a, a competitive football game. Yeah, that's um, a so good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, but um, Kenyon Drake averaged six and a half yards a carry his last time out. Yes, so he did. I, I, I could I could see him contributing as well. And then uh, and you mentioned the Ravens are a good football. The the, the the nerds think that they're a good football team. They're a good football team. That in the next couple of weeks he's going to get Gus Edwards, David Ajabo, and um, uh, Tyus Bowser back. So they're the cavalry gonna, is coming. Yeah, they, they they could take off here. I th- and and they've got an easy schedule coming up here too. So. Um, could be a could be a nice little run here for the Ravens, assuming health. That's a big knock on wood. Special thanks to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Thank you so much to Luke Jackson. One of one of the more fun shows that we've done. Want to do this more often with you, Luke. So thanks for coming in and doing this with us. Another special thanks to Ryan Blake, my co-host from the Give That Fan a Podcast podcast. Yeah, can, uh, we, can for, we plug that real quick? Yeah, ab- absolutely. We got an episode coming up this week, right? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll figure out our schedule. So we obviously we want to come up with a, a little. A, a, be, a more regimented schedule because we've been kind of switching it up week to week. But um, you can find us uh, probably bi-weekly in the offseason, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find all of our episodes on Utah Street Report. We're also live on YouTube every episode, uh, live on Twitter at Orioles Fan Probs with a Z. Uh, you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tune in. We've had some great guests, whether it was Ryan Ripkin or Mike Bordick, some great guests, or Eric Arditi on yep. the show. And we're going to keep doing that throughout the off season. It's going to be an interesting one, so tune in there. Tune in here. Uh, catch Ryan and I on the Locked on Orioles podcast from this past week, from last for this past Thursday and Friday, if you want to check that out. And, of course, tune in to all of our programming at PressBoxOnline.com. Um, we will see you next week. Zach will be back. I'll be in my right seat and not have to worry about all of this over here. Until next week, thanks for tuning in. See ya!